Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And, uh, hey, we're gonna talk Spider-Verse. Yes, we are. Um, do we have any, like, incoming or upcoming or whatever you want to say news that we that we missed or that we... we that we've... Or over the last week, um, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything um, um, other than... Well, I, I guess the Tom Holland thing confirming he was coming back for a fourth film that was kind of like already we kind of knew, but yeah, I mean, all so this week he said, "Hey, things are happening," and really that was all he could say. And also, there's no way they have a script for this. Like they might oh, no. have a like an idea, and so. And with the writers still on strike, mm-hmm. uh, the DGA, and if I'm remembering correctly, the Actors Guild SAG as well. And Directors are, Guild is coming up. And Directors direct- Guild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all... Uh, the, the big ones... Uh, I don't think the Actors Guild is as... It, it is big, but it's... I don't... I think those guys will cave for, like, whatever. Like, it, it's yeah. solid as they're showing, like, behind the writers now. I, I, no offense to actors, but I think when it comes down to it, they'll just be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, whatever deal in the way of, you know, progress they get, they'll... But the directors, the writers, and the producers, I, I think, will... They'll want that... They want more money, uh, not in a bad way, but in a like, yeah. hey, we need more from streaming because a lot of the the money that they used to make in uh, video sales and uh, just things playing in theaters for you know a year at a time it, that that yes. no longer happens. It's it's months. A, a back end deal for an. That is the one thing about actors. A back-end deal now doesn't mean shit. But nope, like, it does not. And, but actors' contracts are so... Like... Dependent on your star quality, right? Like, they're so loaded anyway. You know? Mm-hmm. You got Netflix yeah. doling out $200 million for a movie with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And most of that money went to pay those three people. <laughs> Yeah, because there's no, because there's no, like, there's no possibility of a back end, like, 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 literally. Yeah, there's like no what, profit sharing, no, n- nothing, you know. What happened on Deadpool, where, like, he got 20% of the first dollar gross, there's nothing like that for that. Yeah. Um, and also, like, it's really sad to say, but, like, fuck, man, Tom Hanks is leading the charge with this whole AI thing, like, which... Like SAG and SAG and the WDA, like the SAG, the SAG part about it is so sad because it they really should be protecting the the workaday actors 
which is this is where it's affecting it is yep. that these these guys that like you know it's not even like it's not even the top one percent it's like everybody below that is affected by this like guys guys that like aren't even like people that you think are famous but they're not they're not getting paid it's like the like you heard the interview with Sydney Sweeney, right? The girl from Euphoria, yeah. who you would think that after all this notoriety, she would be making bank. And she's like, I have to book six or seven gigs in a year. She's like, I have no time for myself. And it's true. If you look at her IMDb page, she's like littered with a whole bunch of things. Um, I've heard that Zendaya, the only reason why she, she gets to be selective is not because she gets a massive salary. It's because she does other things like modeling pays for her yeah. like lifestyle. Like, I mean, I mean, that makes sense because she's a Lancome girl and like, I'm sorry, a Lancome woman. Uh, and she's also, a, uh, I think she's the Dior or Chanel, Chanel like spokesperson, whoever uh, Anne Hathaway and Anne Hathaway is another one. There are all these actors that unless you're on a like, like an HBO show. And even then it's hard for them. Yeah. Um, like if you're not the top 1%, I'm talking the rock, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, uh, like these guys. And even these guys, like, I mean, we just saw the rock rock had to announce that he's coming back to the fast franchise. Why? Because, you know, he's yeah. in recovery, um, having to make movies with like, you know, movies that he probably didn't want to make. Um, but anywho, yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm with you on the, the SAG needs to be, they need, like, it's one thing for Tom Hanks to take, like, and this is all, like, speculative, but, like, uh, to take a multi-million dollar deal for his likeness, and then it gets used, like, in perpetuity, because yeah. it's Tom Hanks, but, like, you, for sure, I'm, I, I, no, you probably know some struggling actors out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know what happens if one of these these persons, like in desperation, signs that you know some deal, thinking, "Oh, I'm giving them my likeness for like this X Y Z little bitty project," and they wind up signing away their digital likeness in perpetuity, and then you know, this AI shit does happen, and it's like, okay, well, this guy's never going to make any money, but his face will be everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's like, uh, something similar happened with uh, the Shang-Chi guy, right? Um, yeah. He was, he was a model, and he did a photo shoot, and, and this is not exactly the same thing, but like if it, that dude is all over Getty images, like because he did some photo shoots for just, you know, shit people can download to use for, you know, uh, whatever. Stock images. Yes. Yeah, stock, yeah, stock images, images yeah. um, for their, their, you know, work projects or what, whatever they want to use it for. And so it's weird to see, you know, but I mean, he did it because he's a, he was a struggling actor, you know, that you, mm -hmm. you take the work you can get. And, uh, you know, that is a like a small microcosm of something that like some somebody literally struggling to live could wind up signing a piece of paper. And, you know, we've got this world famous dude who makes 
no money, but you know, they've manipulated his likeness to be whatever. And again, that could be decades in the future, but you know, mm-hmm. we're on what the fourth chat GPT and they're saying it's, it's like leaps and bounds ahead of the last one. And that like, yeah. it can write something and it feels, it doesn't feel stilted the way like chat GPT did even a year ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, well, I was going to get into that when we got into across, um, across the spider verse, because like, if there's ever a movie that's, that's, that's made and designed to be an anti AI movie, um, with the, the humanality of like creativity and going, going, pushing against the grain of like what's what we what we think is possible. I think that this is this is it. Like this is the where like our lizard brain, like the the term lizard brain comes. But yeah, like GPT chat is just our chat GPT, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's fucking scary, man. It's scary. Like all these assholes are are designing this thing, and all of them are saying the same fucking thing, which is yeah, it has a distaste for humanity. AI has a distaste. Oh, I fucking wonder why. Because we're a bunch of greedy assholes, you fucking dumb fucks. What are you doing? It's like it's almost like they they, they have a gun in their hand and they just created a gun and they're like, huh, that's really interesting. Huh, yeah. And then they keep on turning it to their face and they keep they go, Oh, okay. I wonder what would happen if I just shot myself in the fucking face. And this is literally what we're doing right now. We're developing AI in a way that it's just like and even like we can't even stop it because What's going to happen if the government, like all governments put a rain on it? It's already too late. Like you, you put it already out in the box. I mean, these people are going to continue to self or design it. And then when AI gets self-evolved, it's just going to design itself. Dude, I, I mean, we, we deserve the apocalypse that we get, that we're going to yes. get. Man. I mean, I, I hate to be all nihilistic and whatever about it, but it's just like, it, is it fascinating? Absolutely, man. But oh, like, yeah. You know, we've literally been making movies and writing stories about this stuff for hundreds of years. Like, people have been like, yeah, maybe don't play God with shit because it will come back to bite you in the ass. And still, like, all it has seemed to do is put the idea in people's heads. But, like, I wonder if we can do that. And I will say this is where... Star Trek probably has the the most passionate, like, not much in the Star Trek universe is design is about like, hey, uh, don't design this robot because it will kill you. It's more just like, oh, here's way different ways to communicate and you know get around the universe and you know peace and love and you know let's you know try to find a way to work together and like it's not uh it's more hopeful sci-fi than than most other sci-fi and you know yeah we probably have cell phones i some kid watching star trek when he was you know seven but like we're also headed towards the fucking terminator (laughs) Because yeah, seriously. James Cameron was like, 
hey, yeah, we're going to design machines. Machines will start designing themselves, and then they'll go, oh, wait, people are terrible. Let's destroy them. <laughs> I'm literally playing a game right now. Um, I'm playing Zero Dawn uh, Horizons. Um, <coughs> and that's literally what this fucking game is about, about the folly of man and how we created AI and then through a policing robot and wanting to unrestrict policing robots um, and unlocking and then encrypting their, their source code. This is literally what the game is about. And literally like you get, and the, my favorite part about this, and this has been a pretty emotional game for me because Lance Reddick plays a huge part in this. And I didn't, I, I remembered, but I didn't realize. And then when he showed up as a character, voicing the character that's guiding you, through like the last like half of the game, it fucking hit hard. But then it was only compounded by the fact that this is about AI that ended up getting locked in because people are ass billionaires are assholes and military contracts are fucking amazing. And those policing robots, because they got the lock, they they got un like they got unencryptable unencryptable code that you couldn't break into. They create. They started designing robots and started the apocalypse. So basically, <laughs> this billionaire Elon Musk motherfucker decide. I mean, and I mean, we also got the brain, goddamn brain chips that everybody was just like, "Yeah, go ahead, Elon." Yeah, because it could. I mean, and here's the shittiest part about this is that nobody's taking GPT uh, GPT chat and putting it to work to solve cancer or AIDS or. Right. Um, famine solutions, they're doing stupid shit with it. I want to know what Batman directed by Wes Anderson looks like. Fuck you and fuck the fucking high horse you rode in on, you stupid shit. I hope the GPT tat comes after you first because why do we care? I don't care. Like, that's the whole thing is that I don't care about a robot creating something. Like, literally, I don't. Like anytime, like all these fucking social media pages with all this fucking, and it like, here's the most boring part about this. Have you noticed that it's just the same idea spouted over and over again? Yeah. Like it's literally, and it, all of the stuff, I don't care how, un, like how close they get to the uncanny valley. I can still tell it's AI. Like I can literally, even if you don't tell me it's AI and I just see a picture, um, I can tell it's AI. What some there was a game company, uh, the Duke Nukem guys just released some like images for like, yes, some promotional images that were AI, uh, illustrated. I, I hate to say illustrated, yeah. but it, it, it like within hours, people were calling them out on it. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, or okay, so. Like in my realm, right? Like, let's bring it back to like our realm. Um, they were showing, um, so AI, like, so like certain restoration companies are using AI, uh, to do restoration, just cut down on the time in restoration. And so, what they did was they took a scene from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly that restored that that they did as a restoration and how long the time it took to do it and then they did a comparison with ai but then this is the stupid fucking part is because it was studio financed studio took 
the the Im- they wanted the image not only restored, but because of the fact that everybody this is this is what really fucking pisses me off, and this is why you buy social media people. Because of the fact that the studio said that they have so many complaints, I don't believe it, that the black bars on the top and the bottom, they wanted to see if AI could fill out those bars up at the top and the bottom. So the image not only was was restored, but they added a whole fucking 30% of image that didn't exist. They just had AI do do its magic to reproduce what it thinks was there. And the thing was, was that I was watching it, and after a while, it became annoying because it was almost like a fucking IG filter. Um, because you could tell as soon as the camera started zooming in or zooming out or doing any kind of movement that it was fake. Like, you could just tell. And here's the thing, guys. like. You, you you start talking about this kind of stuff and you start doing this kind of stuff and it's just it doesn't make sense to me like it doesn't make sense where <clears throat> okay it's fine that you do one thing right but it always seems like everybody wants to add an added kicker to it they want to fucking like they don't just want to kick you in the nuts they want to kick you in the nuts to make sure you go down and then kick you in, uh, kick you in the face with a bunch of dirt and it's like why is it that we're always going too far? Like, this is the thing that always gets to me. Is <laughs> that's like, humanity, man. <laughs> and that's the thing. And that's, that's the ultimate answer, is that we're always, we're just a bunch of greedy, stupid shits. And we're going to continue on this fucking path. Um, a show that, like, we talked about a few weeks ago. I'm almost finished. Uh, and we'll have a full-on discussion about it. Because AI is not going away, at least in the, ne- in the next couple of weeks. Or even in the next two months, if if we don't talk for a bit, because you know of what we talked about last week with your moving and and such. Um, but Mrs. Davis is like literally the most zeitgeistiest of zeitgeist yeah. <laughs> shows that has ever fucking existed in a time frame. Like I literally am like, like this is literally like strange love. Coming out during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Were you? Well, yes. And it it reminded me, not in tone, but in, like, uh, its timing of uh, Mr. Robot, which is a show very near and dear to my heart, which seemed to be so fucking relevant week to week. And oh yeah, absolutely. It, like like it was predicting things. And it, it absolutely was. Like the aberrant like I keep on going back to the aberrant behavior of billionaires. Like yeah. the way that it portrayed the rich is like that's why I hate succession so much is because <laughs> Mr. Robot Yeah, that <laughs> ended this week. Did you watch it? No, I didn't because like I'm I'm a season and a half behind. Okay. Um, I, I haven't, I hate I haven't watched that. any of it except the finale because I I was up in uh, Chattanooga because uh, I was looking at a place up there the next day, and I was yeah. uh, Spencer and Katie's, and they're like, uh, we're going to watch the Succession finale, like you know we but we don't have to. I was like, I don't care. They're like, you're just going to hang out. Like, would you want to watch the? I was like. I haven't seen a single episode of this show, but 
I don't care enough to like want to really go back and watch any of it. Sure, I'll watch the <laughs> finale. I watched the yeah. finale and I was like, there was nothing in this that made me think that I would want to go back and watch this show. Like, it, you know, I it, not knocking anybody who enjoys enjoys it for what it is or whatever or hate watches it like you do. Um, but it also brought up feelings of the, like the Mr. Robot stuff of like, Mm -hmm. okay, like this is, yes, you're seeing it from like strictly the, the billionaire side of things, but like, I don't give a fuck about that side of things. Like, exactly. I, I don't care about these. Nothing in the show made me think that I would care about any of those characters enough to, not continually root for them to fail. Like every single person that we saw, like I was just like, I don't want to see any of these people succeed, you know? And, uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, no, 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 you're, you're absolutely. I mean, I feel like succession deserves its discussion about why we both respectively probably don't watch it, uh, because it was such a big, okay, let me rephrase that. It was such a social media hype thing. Like the I to be perfectly honest, like I'm gonna give an assessment here. I think that people will not fucking like, but nobody but fucking people on Twitter and and people that write about shows watch succession. If you really want to if you really want the show that everybody that people actually fucking watch that's about power, and I I, I don't like either show. Um, uh, Succession is too up its own ass about billionaires and being in love with them. I'm sorry, Adam McKay, but you're fucking shit. Like, for a pr- director-producer who made some of the most astute fuck yous to, like, billionaires, this has turned way on his own, up his own ass with regards to how much empathy that these stupid fucks that write about succession give it, give it. But if you really want to talk about a show that's popular, that has, that has, that, that is literally a franchise. And I fucking hate saying this, but it, it has to be talked about is Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone, like everybody makes fun of Yellowstone as like the redneck, like they call it the redneck succession. Right. But you know what? There's 15 million people a week. Two I, I would successions. Watch- I would watch that show before I I went back and watched any more Succession. Um, It it just... Succession. I I told Spencer when when it ended, I was (laughs) like, what'd you think? I was like, and like I said, I was like, nothing in this episode made me think I would want to ever go back and watch this. I said, but here's what's fascinating to me. I, at one point in time, got Spencer to watch St. Elmo's Fire, and he hated it. I was like, at one point in time, this was my favorite movie. Like, when I was in high school, yeah. St. Elmo's Fire was my favorite film. I I yeah. could quote it backwards and forwards. Um, and he was like, why did you like this? All of these people are terrible. I was like, yeah. I, I, like, I didn't really realize it in high school. But as I've grown watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, the, these are people wrapped up in, like, like just the shittiness of the eighties, you know, in, in that, uh, me, me, me culture, which we're still, you know, kind of dealing with today. 
and like kind of in the moment thing and it's all about money and power and you know but also still trying to hold on to like these relationships and he was like yeah but succession is like shakespeare and i was like okay (laughs) like i mean if you say so (laughs) like i you know not not knocking him for his opinion but i was just like i don't see that man like i watch saint almost fire and i see people struggling to like just exist in a world that they don't truly understand and and trying to like play these parts that you know don't really make sense and i watched one episode of succession and i was like oh these people are why everything is so bad <laughs> like yes this is why things are not not the yuppies of the 80s which actually you know those people did become you know a lot of those people were the yuppies of the 80s but like also a lot of those people just burn themselves out which you know in my personal it's a hell of a drug yeah my personal opinion uh the the saint almost fire crew none of those people would have amounted to anything like maybe judd nelson's character would have gotten to like mild political success but like he was so (laughs) like just so tripping himself up all the time that like yeah he would have been one of those that like just constant you know infidelity things you know Mm -hmm. popping up or sexual scandals or whatever um yeah he, he wouldn't have been able to 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 stop himself from just you know collapsing his own career and yep like to me, that's people, you know, because we're all flawed and fucked up. And, and, but like the succession stuff is like, yeah, they're flawed and fucked up. And they like, uh, spoilers for the succession finale, they don't, they don't achieve their, their goal. They don't get to keep what their dad built. They lose, yep. quote, everything. But here's the thing they lost everything and they're still fucking billionaires. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, like, why are you fighting so hard to keep a company built by a man who basically, like, in some form or fashion, you really just hated him? Like, all he did was make you feel like shit. (laughs) So, it's just, I I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, nothing about the succession finale made me want to ever like revisit it i was just like no nah. there's so much other stuff um barry ended uh sunday night as well I, I, we yes. never really talked about barry do you watch barry uh, yes i i was waiting for the season three i've muted all of the social media stuff because i mean you know no ho hank um i fucking love okay so talking about a show that has that is just as wild as succession with its empathies um but this is a show that i truly love because like like mr robot barry takes a kind of character this is the hitman that wants to get out and takes it to a completely wildly dark 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 place and continues to be funny 
no matter what happens during those times. But it's it's darkness in its it's the blackest of comedies. Like it's the darkest of comedies. And after season two, I was like, where the fuck are they gonna go with this? And then when I saw, I was like, okay. And then a friend, uh, like a a colleague, a writer colleague that I see on screening the screening circuit, um, Jeff had told me he's like. He's like, he's like, it's better served as a whole entire meal. He's like, just wait and do the four hour run of it. Like he's like, because he had seen it all except for the last episode. And this was months ago, right? Um, uh, when I was at a screening and he was like, he's like, if you, if you do it that way, do it that way. So I haven't seen any of the season, but I like now that it's done, um, I'm definitely going to dive into it because I fucking love everything that. Like, like he's somebody that we haven't talked about, but a uh, fucking, um, um, good lord, um, um, what's his name? Um, I can't even think of his name now. Um, Through Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Okay. Bill Hader and Alec Berg working together to make the show like. Like second season, he directed all the fucking episodes. It's so like, funny. How- <laughs> I, I've been rewatching Seinfeld off and on for the uh-huh. last few months, and there's an episode of Seinfeld. I mean, th- it it's probably a mid mid Seinfeld episode, not too early, uh-huh. but they're sitting at the diner, and uh, George and Jerry are like talking about something, and. Jerry goes, Alec Berg. That's such a, like, uh, he starts, like, riffing on the name Alec Berg. And that's who he's talking what? about. Yes, he is. I did, I had no idea. Oh, oh, God. Like, it's been probably about 15 years since I saw uh, the last time I rewatched Seinfeld. Um, the, the, uh, so maybe it's a rewatch. Two specific instances of producers that it it riffs on. One is Alec Berg, uh, who has has been around forever, but like yes, has really been like a bigger name in the last five six years. And the other is Joe Davola. Joe Davola used oh. to produce a lot of stuff for the CW. Yes. And uh, there's, I mean, there was a whole fucking multi-episode arc about crazy Joe DeVolta in Seinfeld. And that's who they're talking about. <laughs> I had no idea that, that I remember that episode, but I also didn't connect the producer, Joe DeVolta, to, yep. <laughs> oh my God. That is so weird. If you uh, listen to the, if you if you ever buy the the DVD set and you listen to the commentaries and watch mm-hmm. the bonus features, which I did, um, they they talk about that like, oh yeah, it turns out Joe Devola went on to do blah 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 blah. I was like, that's the same guy. <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> it's is so that, funny, man. <laughs> Joe Devola is the is the is the clown, right? Yeah, he does. It's know. the clown episode. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does. Uh, Wayne dates him for a little while, and but like he's he spans like a good five or six episodes across like two or three seasons, where he just like keeps coming back because he hates Jerry so much because Jerry like did something to or uh, didn't invite him to a party or something like that, and he's he's like carrying this grudge against Jerry. Now I don't I don't know that any of that's factual, and but I do know that. 
that's who that character's based on. Um, and oh, the, the Alec Berg thing, it's so funny to me every time I would watch Barry and see Alec Berg's name. It's I would just hear Jerry going, Alec Berg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think again, your friend is right years later. Barry, though. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm really excited. Um, here's a thing, like, okay, so, like, here's a thing about me that I don't even think you know. Um, I both love and, and fear prison movies. I just don't fucking like them. Like, they're, like, this thing, like, I was a kid, and I saw American Me, and if you've ever seen American Me, <laughs> at, like, at, like, seven or eight years old, you yeah, could understand why. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking terrifying, isn't it? Um, but like, like I, watching Oz when you're 12. I'm like, uh, exactly. I can never go well, to jail. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't want to like, get raped by Nazi J.K. Simmons. <laughs> seriously, dude? I'm like, I will fucking shoot myself. I will go out in a fucking blaze of gore, glory. I will fucking go to hell. I will let myself, my, hell, my soul go to fucking hell before I go to fucking prison. Because, <laughs> you know, fuck that. Um, sorry, soul. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, so this is kind of like been lined up as like, like I knew that eventually, like, you know, it's like, it's weird because like Barry plays with the stuff that's very logical. And so like, you knew that he was going to fucking end up in prison. Like, like, it, like at the end of the day, you're like, this motherfucker has got to go to prison, but you don't ever, you always think that there's going to be a way out, but there's not. And that's what I love about that show is that regardless like of how weirdly comical it gets and weird weird like fucking shit happens the reaper comes to pay its due in that show like i love that that bill Hader and alec berg have created this thing where it's like yeah you know what he like things may have been delayed but that boomerang is going to come around like a motherfucker and hit you in the back of the head when you least expect it and um also like Everything that like Bill Hader has done, like absolutely deserves he deserves that that like small blank check that he's getting from Blumhouse to uh, write and direct a movie. Like yeah. he literally like if you don't watch this show, guys, and you're watching Succession, shame on you because there's more more responsibility in there's more of a moral code or a, a like a, a moral code at the in the center of Barry than there is in Succession. Like, like, you know, like it, terrible shit may be happening, but at least there's the world, it, like the world it's, always seems yeah. to correct it's, itself. It's, and it's multifaceted. It, it's easy yes. to be like, you know, there were parts of Breaking Bad where it's just like, where so many people were like, yeah, go Walter. And it's like, yeah, he's the bad guy, man. Like, I don't know what show you're watching. Uh, and Barry kind of the same way. It's just like you are like rooting for Barry, but it's just like the show never lets you forget that he's not exactly a good guy. Like you want him to be, but he's not a good guy. Like, and the the show I think does a really good job at least once or twice a season of reminding you like, Hey, by the way, he's like, you know, it's okay to feel like empathy or sympathy For, like, his situation and, you know, it's about him dealing with his trauma and all of that shit. But also, he 
like there's another way out. He does not have to keep killing people. <laughs> you no, know, he doesn't. He could take yeah. ownership of his 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 crimes. So um, it it has a very, I think, a very solid, much like Breaking Bad, like a very solid fitting ending that you know doesn't leave you like uh succession has a succession has a sopranos ending um i guess that's maybe a little spoilery but um you know it's which i guess already spoiled it but um sorry uh well i mean we ruin everything and that's definitely a ruinable show i don't care what anybody says like if you heard us say succession you knew that and you knew what i said like over the well, last couple of months, I've been really story, to... though, so I'm not going to ruin it. It just it has <laughs> a more of a Breaking Bad style, like okay. oh shit, fuck yeah, ending like oh god, <laughs> like this is amazing, and less of a like what the fuck, <laughs> like <laughs> so nothing happened. <laughs> um, um, I, well, uh, like talk about a a show that okay, so like I want I wanted to ask you just like a quick transition before we get in since we're talking TV, um. Did you see the uh, Justified uh, City? Pr- uh, I'm not watching the trailer. I watched the teaser okay. trailer because I saw the hat and I was like, oh, I want to see this. And it was a, what, five second teaser of him just picking up the hat and putting it on. Yeah. I was like, that's enough for me. I, um, he's already teasing that he wants to do more. I'm yep. just like, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't need to okay. see anything. I don't. I'm just going to wait for the show. So... Um, I'm excited for it. I, I'm, you know, I'm so, I love Timothy Oliphant as much as I know for a fact, dude can be a total dick, <laughs> but I just love him. Well, it's like, you, you know, he's, he gets like, man, like if he, if he does another, if he does another eight seasons of Justified in the second thing, I will be like, I watched the trailer and I will say this much. Like, so, so, like, there's probably two more, like, there, so, like, I always feel like Justified is all about location. Like, it's just, like, it, like, the first season was so much about the, the South. Yeah. And his place in it. This one, we're finally getting to Detroit, which, like, that excites me in a way that, like, it's like, so, like, I've. I, I read I, I've read a lot. I haven't read everything because Elmore Leonard was a beast when it came to writing. But like what I got hooked in on Leonard was Rylan Gibbons because of the fact that when I was growing up in my twenties, and I said that's Jesus Christ, man, that sounds really terrible when you say growing up in my twenties. Um, but he was writing about Rylan Gibbons, and there's three places that he he that Rylan lived in and did shit in and the south like kentucky um detroit and then florida like it's the triangle that that he that he navigated and i love the fact and when that you meet him at the start of the show he's in miami he's in miami yes yeah. and um and he like they keep on bringing back people from miami like i really wish that they were able to get the rights to actually call karen cisco karen cisco um yeah, me too. It's unfortunate. And also, yeah, and also, like, not get J-Lo, but get Carla Gugino from the oh, show. Oh, yes. Show. 
but and also like if you're gonna do that, bring Michael Keaton back. Because I mean, like, like guys, if you didn't know, like, like Elmore Leonard's world is like this giant world of interconnected characters. So if you read enough of his stuff, you begin to see all of these people that are in his world, like the characters from, like the characters from um, Jackie Brown, which is actually a, a book called Rum Punch. They have like multiple books. Uh, where they're younger characters, they're older characters, like they're all in there. So like, like or, if you haven't read storylines cross, or characters yes. are related to other characters. Like it, it, it's something that I, I don't think I've ever heard Kevin Smith talk about it. But both he and Quentin very much like fell into that, like Elmore Leonard style of like all all our movies are kind of interconnected yes and and playing with like those specific kinds of things um <coughs> and, and i know tarantino's talked about it of course because he adapted uh rum punch um mm -hmm. but yeah i've never heard kevin smith re i don't think really talk about that kind of influence but like Elmore Leonard was definitely not the first, of course, but like he was no. so fucking good at it that, you know, I mean, and Stephen King kind of also like did it to to a degree, not with yeah. just characters, just with like building like the interconnected worlds, like took it to like this nth degree. Um, but yeah, Elmore Leonard was, he's probably better at it than fucking anybody. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just doing the, where characters just show up and it's just like, oh shit, I know them from this book or that book or, you know, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, uh, City Primeval. I, I, I just, that teaser was enough for me. I was just like, I don't need to see anymore. Um, <laughs> well, two other shows ended last week too. Oh, they did. Uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, well, you probably haven't oh, got a chance right. to watch, have you? Tonight, tonight, tonight's okay. the big night. We're gonna we're gonna do a big screening of it. We're gonna have some great dinner, um, good drinks, and we're gonna watch it. And I'm gonna bring my I'm gonna bring my tissue paper because I'm fucking gonna cry. I know yeah. it. Uh, like, I I liked I, it. I know a lot of people online knocked it. Um, oh, but they they've did? been knocking. They've been knocking the show all year, man. Saying yeah. it's it's not the show it was in season one, and but I mean, they're right. But also, I don't care because I enjoyed the yeah. show. I just don't give a shit. Um, uh, does it really need to? Okay, like so. The question becomes: Does it need to be the show that it originally was, or can it evolve? Like, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind where it's gone because it's coming right back to where it began. Like, like to me, it felt like this season, they were like, we're going to go out on a limb, just follow us. But by the time they got to, by the time they got to Amsterdam, like, I saw what they were doing. And this show is always about, like, if anything, like, I feel like this show is about, like, like, understanding that there's always a different perspective and understanding that people deserve second chances and that behind everything there's always a reason and like if you look at everything that the, the this season has talked about 
Like that's absolutely in line with the Ted Lasso universe, right? The the AFC Richmond uh, like you know universe that they've created, regardless of whether or not like certain storylines land. Like the Jack one, like I have to say, like quite honestly, it like that I one agree. is just that was a shit that was a shitty one. Like they the should have Zaba storyline. I didn't think was very worthwhile. I didn't think the Jack no. storyline was like. You know, it, they they felt like too much of a both of them felt like too much of a tangent, introducing mm-hmm. new characters into a show, where it's just like I, not that I don't I don't mind new people coming in, but they became like such a large focus for multiple episodes. I was just mm-hmm. like I don't like I really just want to spend more time, especially knowing it's the last season. Like I'd rather just more, spend more time with the people we do know. But then, like, you have episodes like the Colin-centric episode uh, yes. where, you know, all of that comes to light. And, like, it's just like, what a fucking fantastic showcase of a guy who's not been background necessarily. I mean, maybe in the first season he was mostly background. But, you know, it, he's not been the forefront for sure. And to give him like a moment to shine like that and in such a solid episode, it's like, yeah, I did want more of that. And I hate that they took the time out for specifically those two storylines to introduce us to those two new characters. But, you know, hindsight, it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we still got the show we got and it it's. I think you'll enjoy the ending. It's also like fucking 75 minutes. It's like a movie, man. It, it's yeah. solid. Um, and The Flash also ended last week. And it's, <laughs> you, we, we talked about that last yeah. week. You're, I, okay, you yeah, were yeah, like yeah. a dud. You were oh, yeah, like I saw a, a week and giant a half ago. Yeah. turd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I, bad. So bad. Um. But, Yeah, like, a shout-out to Ted Lasso in what they've done in the last season. Like, like you said, like, to the point of, like, giving, like, giving the supporting characters their moments is kind of, um, it's, is beautiful. Like, like, really, really, really beautiful. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like, this is, like, this is like this this is the ending of the show so like you know that the reason why that they're doing this and like the thing is is that like i look at it and it's like we're getting like okay so like we got 12 episodes right but they're all like they went from like anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes to like literally like like 55 to like 75 minutes an episode so like we're literally getting an extra like what three or four like it's not really like if you look at yeah. the lengths it's uh, really on like average, a 15 the, episode yeah on average the episodes this season were an hour long and it started with about 30 to 40 minute episodes so mm-hmm. i mean we're getting it was 12 episodes but it might it could have been easily 24 episodes so, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm just, I'm not going to complain. Like, I, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. It, this, every, everybody seems so cynical this year. And, and I don't get it. Like, I'm generally a <laughs> cynical person. But, like, I, I don't know. We started the year with, with 
Ant-Man and people just being like, oh, this is it. Fucking Marvel. Yep. They're done. Like, just it's bullshit. Like, we're, you know, and it's it just seems like this cascading thing of, like, everything that comes around. It's just, like, it might have a few minutes of, like, oh, here we go. And then, like, a week later, it's like, oh, yeah, this is bullshit, too. <laughs> You're just people just dumping on it. Um, uh, which I honestly don't get. Like, like, okay, so, like, the weirdest part is, like, the study of this is like guardians where like everybody had like when the first day it came out it had like middling reviews right people were like oh, it's but then audiences like real audiences not just the like like social media atmosphere got their hands on it and they realized how emotional a response or emotional a, a movie it was and then over the weekend it literally flipped its script and like people were like forcing the unnegativity the negativity of the movie out of the way and we're just like oh my god this is an emotional movie this is like great like this is like like it was like a real like weird like study and like push and pull of like oh this is a shitty movie this is like too long it's not satisfying and i'm like and then you watch the movie and you go what are you talking about not satisfying what did you want what did you expect like i honestly i i ask like when i see these like responses online i'm like are you just saying that because you're an asshole, a cleft asshole, and you don't know how to act, and so you decide to just respond like this? Because the movie that I saw is very different than the movie that you saw. It's just, it's just wild, right? Like, everybody wants to, like, say doom and gloom, and, like, literally, okay, so, like, like the like I was looking at this, it's, like, literally the two biggest movies of the year that were released were, like, Two of the most positive, weird, like, one is just, I mean, it's the Mario Mother movie, right? Like, everybody went to go see it. And at the end of the day, that movie is so inoffensive, but so positive in its joy about things. Like, so much so that it has its bad guy midway through the movie, like, sing a stupid song that's become the earbug of 2023, which is probably going to net Jack Black an Oscar. Which, by all means, please, I don't want any other song winning an Oscar except for Peaches. Um, but, but then, like you said, there's all this negativity. Like I, I turned. I mean, I've been negative about things. I've, I've definitely been negative about Mario, but not in a like, fuck this kind of. Just more in a like, eh, it didn't do anything. It's not for me. Yeah, Yeah. you know, like, 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 so I'm just gonna move on. (laughs) <laughs> Which made a, a not a shit ton of money, but made enough money. I've read some fairly positive things, mm-hmm. but prior to it actually coming out, it was now. I I don't want to say we shit on it. We both were like, we're not. This is not for us. I, it doesn't yeah. look interesting. It, it doesn't. And actually, that's one of the. I listened to the film cast review, and their legit complaint was like the 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 sea stuff looks mm-hmm. dull and lifeless like it, it's oh, it's man. so like flat and just doesn't really it doesn't pop the way you want it to pop oh. and uh so i was like well that definitely solidifies i have no interest but they all said like of all of these bullshit disney remakes this is the best one so far doesn't make it fantastic, but it's better than all the rest of them. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'm happy for um, uh, Bailey, ha- ha- is it Hallie Bailey um, that's playing Ariel? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, she, I, I like her. I've liked her. Yeah. She was in um, the show on Freeform that I watched. Uh, oh, um, the Blackish spinoff. Um, you but, grown. Uh, yeah. And, and I thought she was fantastic in it. So, like, I'm and happy has, for her. And she has a, a fucking amazing voice. Oh, and she's going to be it. And, she, and, like, here's the thing is, like, all that the, the music does for me is make me excited for the musical version of The Color Purple. Like, like her being in that, like, yeah, like this, like, this is like a, a war, like, I know that people are probably gonna get mad at me, but especially like Little Mermaid stands, but this, like, Ariel is just a warm up for the color purple. Um, if you've, if, like, you know, if you've seen the show, I've not seen it, but I've heard the, the Broadway, like, the, the, the cast, and they're bringing everybody back except for the, the, uh, the Halle Bailey role. But it's it's in a way that I feel like like it, it's going to work and it's going to be something special, especially with her in it. Um, I mean, even her sister um, uh, um, is it uh, is it uh, Chloe? Yeah, I think it's Chloe uh, because they do the they 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 have a musical group, Chloe and uh, Haley. Um, uh, but I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not against the Little Mermaid because there are a bunch of like, like the Little Mermaid for a woman of a certain age is like a big fucking deal. Like even more than Beauty and the Beast. Like Beauty and the Beast is one thing, right? But Little Mermaid is what started an entire generation of women that are about our age, our age or younger, right? started their fascination with Disney because it's the first, it was the, it was the comeback. It was the Katzenberg, uh, who's the Eisner, um, era of musical, like, uh, of Disney animated musicals that eventually got to Beauty and the Beast. But like between that, it was like, the first thing was the Little Mermaid. And so I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying it's not for me. And these remakes are not for me. Um, I don't hate on it. I I want it. I want them to succeed for the people that like Halle ba- uh, Halle Bailey, who deserve success, right? Like who actually deserve to be able to make more things in this world and star in more things and like be able to be twenty three and to be able to do other things and be a young star. Because I feel like, like as I get older. Like I like watching, like I like a, I like watching a career take its turns and its changes. Like for me, like the big next step for Tom Holland is this crowded room show that's coming out next week. Yeah, and, I'm interested to see that. Like, like the thing is, is that what nobody talks about Michael J. Um, about Mikey Fox, which we all love, is that he was contained in a certain way. Like, like he tried to box out. After after uh, Back to the Future with Casualties of War, uh, Bright Lights, Big City, um, The Secret of My Success, but he ended up finding that the darker stuff he couldn't do, which is unfortunate because he was really good at playing a little fucking shitty cokehead. 
um, in Bright Light, Big City. If you guys have never seen that movie, yeah. or um, or the stupid movie that he did with Joan Jett about the like where they play brother and sister and yeah. the kid, the kid with the meat, like they put the, the they put the meat in the kids like into the I can't I can't remember what it was uh, what it was called, but um, he's good, like he's really good, but nobody wanted to see that, and it kind of boxed him in back in TV where he did wonderful work in Spin City. I mean, like, we all, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, when I was in my 20s, like, Spin City was the shit until fucking Charlie Sheen took it. We're not going to talk about that. But when he was in that, like, that, like, him and Barry Bostick and Alan Ruck, I mean, talk about going back to succession. Like, Alan Ruck has been around since Cameron Fry. How the fuck, like, I will give succession this, that it's giving certain actors that didn't have a chance, a, a big chance because there are waspy actors and there's not a lot of space for waspy actors anymore. Nobody wants to see them. Um, uh, but I will say that like, it's interesting to me because Tom Holland, like that's a, like this is a big jump for him. I don't think that people understand. And like, to me, that's the most interesting thing. The most interesting thing isn't that he's going to do Spider-Man four. I mean, we know that he's going to do that. But can he succeed critically and financially in darker stuff or things that are not Spider-Man? And the whole thing is, is that Cherry was a terrible prop. Like, through and through, I did not like that movie at all. Like, I watched it and I was like, really? We're going to well, do this story? That's the thing. He hasn't had a success outside of Spider-Man, right? He has not. I mean, Uncharted was kind of, but like... If you look at it, it was literally released eight weeks after Uncharted. And I feel like because it was Sony, they did that purposely because they fucking knew. They fucking knew that everybody would just say, Tom Holland? Oh, man, the Uncharted movie? Like, that could be, like, good and funny, like a like a little Indiana Jones. And it really wasn't. It was fucking terrible. I'm sorry, guys. Um, like, Mark Wahlberg should not star in movies anymore. Sorry. I have to say it. I don't like Mark Wahlberg at all. I used to. I just anything he's been in has been like just terrible. And that's what it is. Like you can watch it on Netflix. You can watch Uncharted on Netflix, but every time you watch it, it's like you want. Okay. So like the problem with the Uncharted movie is, is that Tom Holland should be playing British because he like his weird American accent just reminds you of Peter. But then additionally, it should not have been Mark Wahlberg. It should have been somebody like Jason Statham. Like, like that character should have been somebody different, not basically somebody trying to be the older version of Tom Holland and try to beat Tom Holland at the star game. Somebody that understood I'm the older person. I'm the guy who I'm the Sean Connery character, right? Like my job is very different than Tom Holland's job in this movie. And that's what ruined it is honestly after everything is said and done, it was that Mark Wahlberg wanted to star in Uncharted rather than be the co-star. Right. That's my thing. And and so, like, and to back to your point, he has not done anything outside of Spider-Man. I mean, the, that current, has been the current war was his first, like, big thing post-Spider-Man, which yeah. didn't make any kind of splash. And then you had yeah. Onward, which not necessarily, like, he, a, he's a voice actor in that, and B, like, that movie was, like, unfortunately, COVID killed that movie. Yes. Um, the Devil All the Time, that, it was during COVID year, but still, 
I, I don't think it made much of a splash. Chaos Walking definitely did not do anything. Cherry, um, and then Uncharted, and then Last Call, which just came out, right? Mm-hmm. And I've yeah. not heard great things about Last Call. So I I haven't either. Um, and it's just like you, like you said, like I hope that like I hope that this is something that he was super passionate about, and that um, because he produced it, and I mean, so like the uh, the crowded room is actually uh, based off of the minds of Billy Mulligan. Uh, Billy Mulligan is a um, is a real life person who had multiple personalities. Um, this was something that was so famous that James Cameron tried to make it with Bill Paxton as a showcase for Bill Paxton um, between The Abyss and Terminator 2, and then again between Terminator 2 and Titanic. I think it was Titanic that was after Terminator. Yes, it was. But like he tried, He kept on trying to make it with Bill Paxton because he felt that Bill Paxton was the perfect person to play Billy Mulligan. And, uh, and more to the point, I think that Paxton brought him the book. So there's a script out there that Cameron wrote, James Cameron wrote, and I'm pretty sure that he wrote it with Gail Ann Hurd. Um, that's The Crowded Room. Um, so this has been in multiple people's hands that started with James Cameron to bring it back. Um, but... Uh, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> James Cameron, who at one point in time, like, was desperately trying to also make Spider-Man. <laughs> so. Yes. Who, 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 like, you know, Spider-Man with Leo DiCaprio. Like, mm-hmm. when are we, when are we going to get the AI, make James Cameron's... Uh, yeah, give me that <laughs> AI, uh, Leo DiCaprio Spider-Man thing. Um, so, I mean, that that's a good segue to... Yes. Uh, across the Spider-Verse. Which I was asleep when you texted me last night, um, but I woke up this morning to a text that just said, "Dude, across the Spider Verse." <laughs> um, shit! I've seen it twice. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, I saw it Thursday night and uh, Friday night. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> Um, I, I do have to get a major, major complaint out of the way, um, okay. and it's not about the movie. I actually read an article this morning with uh, one of the directors, uh, or no, actually one of the producers. One of it was Lorder Miller, uh, saying, "Yes, the sound mix is intentional. Unfortunately, yes. the theaters that you're watching it in are not." like projecting it at the correct volume so there's nothing we can do about it so there's a lot of dialogue in this movie i was not able to understand i hate that because i feel like i missed out on a lot of things specifically hobie like i could not hear anything hobie said oh shit and some of the stuff he says is like some of the best stuff of the movie. Like he's like a like oh, wow. In both fears, like in yep. both screenings. Oh shit. Okay, so like here's the thing with my screening experience is that the first like ten minutes where Gwen is talking, oh, while the music is going, almost impossible to hear what she's saying. <laughs> but 
okay, so like, here's the thing. I think that somebody went and complained. And at the moment that the vulture shows up, which, oh my God, like that's how you know that you're in for a special movie when the vulture shows up and he's literally Leonardo da Vinci, like, yes, like, like I can't even explain to you properly, like, uh, but anywho, like when he does, when he shows up, the volume went a lot higher and, um, I think that somebody complained because I saw like three or four people leave really quickly. So I think that it got turned up. And then at that point it was okay. Um, Because it was like this really weird thing of like (sighs) alternating the dialogue being loud, but also the music tracks being loud, which I think that that's what they intended it to be. Um, It's a very interesting, aggressive soundtrack. Right. Um, But I, but I feel, I feel like it's supposed to be like the mix is supposed to be where you've got like that wh- whatever because it's not uh, mono it's in uh, stereo so yeah. what whatever speaker which generally I would assume it's the 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 front speaker yeah the center that projects the 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 dialogue. And everything mm-hmm. else would be coming out of the uh, whatever point system. You know, eight speakers, mm-hmm. you've got four on either side, whatever it is. Um, but it, it's like the, the that mid-range or like the dialogue speaker, like it's not turned up. Like, and it has to be turned up because yeah. all of that music and sound effects is coming at you from the sides of your head. Mm-hmm. So loud that you need, and you're sitting so far back from that front speaker that you're not hearing that because all you're hearing, you know, it, it's like standing in traffic with people like honking and like just so much chaos going on, and somebody 40 feet in front of you trying to talk to you. And it's like, I can't fucking hear you because <laughs> all of this noise around me is so loud. Um, I'm, I mean, it was frustrating, but it was really, it fortunately didn't destroy any enjoyment or allow me to not follow the story at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, they do such a good job of just like taking you through the story without having to like stop a few times, maybe stop and be like, do some handholding and be like, okay, here's what's going on. But like, it's few and far between in a movie that's damn near two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, An animated film that's two and a half hours. Like, but it whole, it, it holds your attention the entire time. Um, there's so much about this movie that's like, like, where do you like, start? I lo- <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like literally where do you start? Like, okay, so let me start about like the 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 thing that I loved, which was that this is not just a Miles Morales movie, nope. but it's a, not a Peter Parker movie. It is a Gwen Stacy as Spider Woman slash Miles Morales movie. Um, because that first 20 minutes, you don't realize that you ever, like, I when it, it starts again, yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck, we haven't even started the movie yet. That was the preamble, like, all of Gwen shit to cut in. 
and the movie does that a few times to a smaller degree every time you kind of meet a new bigger character like when we get to uh spider-man india like yeah. it kind of does but th- it did that in the first movie like uh you know do the like here's the story but like it, I, it's just so much fun and used to such great effect um i, I just i never got tired of it <laughs> no not at all like um but like what I love and Lord and Miller, thank you so much for doing this. It's like, like, I feel like, like without, without the troubles of solo, we don't get, we don't get these Spider-Man movies in the manner in which they're in, because I feel like these are a reaction to Kathleen Kennedy, putting the staple on them saying, you can't do anything special with, with star wars star wars is meant to be star wars and also it's it's twofold though right because like it's them like kind of being told no or that that their vision is invalid uh which it might have been it might have not been great star wars we don't know because we've never seen it um but also it's amy pascal at sony basically losing her job because of the the leaks leaks yeah and then sony falling the fuck apart and not knowing what to do and them like collectively going like well we can do this and sony just being like okay whatever (laughs) like just give us something we have to keep this character it's all the fuck we have (laughs) absolutely but within that freedom um like they've created this thing where they set like this feels like into the spider-verse feels like the like very rarely do you feel the purpose plot wise and like the way that like the first film now that i've seen the second of a trilogy uh which like you know give me 20 of these if this is the level that you're gonna be gonna be telling stories at but this literally feels like like the next step in evolution like i very rarely feel like like into the spider-verse is literally what it says it's doing which is let me put you into the spider-verse let me show you what a multiversal movie should be right like even before uh, like everything everywhere and all at once right like before that it's showing us how that's done but like the the weird crazy part is is that across the spider-verse takes that step and builds on top of it and gives you something even greater because it's like i've already introduced you to the visual language of this and the way that we're going to be telling you stories now let me show you how i'm really going to tell you the story and what i'm really going to talk about and it's such a layered cake of delightful deliciousness that you literally like upon my first viewing all i kept on thinking like after after it it was like an info dump into my head and i had to like I had to just start to fucking, that's why I said, like, I literally, that was what I, I text, you were the first person I texted when I got out. I was just literally like, dude, I could not believe the level of muscular filmmaking that was happening. And like, literally it's, I can't even, like, you can't even describe what the, like, you can kind of describe what the movie is about at its basics. It's about Miles Morales taking a situation and, like that he has no idea like 
like even then you can't even talk about it because it's like there's so much about it like the imposter syndrome like like the thing that i grappled onto so much was how much like how beautiful it was that miles is stripped of everything everything at the end right like miguel like and i love that they that made fucking miguel ending man it. like it it's it's empire strikes back levels of like Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> what the like, fuck? <laughs> uh, like, literally, you're like, he's stripped of everything, and then he gets something back, and then that's stripped. And I'm like, okay, so, like, what you guys did with Miles is so beautiful. It's so, like, like it's literally, like, I sat there, and I'm like, holy shit, they stripped him of everything. They even stripped him of, like, like the thing that hurt the most for me is the Gwen stuff. Like, because they build it so beautifully, and it's such a, like, okay, so, like, like, confession time. Like, I've never felt that they had a true good romance in Spider-Man. Ever. Like, I don't even think the Tom Holland stuff works, because I don't feel like, they have chemistry, but it's written so fucking weird and stupid. Even in the, even in the one where they're together, him yeah. and MJ, it, it's more like, like, they're using like I, I it's something that i hate is that they're using our understanding of zendaya and tom holland being a couple as fodder for or like yeah it becomes horror. a shorthand so they don't have to exactly. actually do the legwork of building the romance it, it's just exactly. you know but i i do agree with you it's always in all the movies it's felt very uh i, I I'm I'm gonna say it like this. Okay, it felt very Hitchcockian, where it's just yes. like this feels more like obsession than actual romantic interest. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's you know, and I'm not not you know bagging on it, but like it's never. I'm with you. It's never felt like this like true love kind of thing. It's always felt more like uh, just you know so basic like damsel in distress and hero and but also like voyeurism to it and you know yes. mild like that teenage obsession you have when with your crush and you know it, it it's yeah it's not felt like a real adult romance um and it's weird that the spider-verse movies are giving us the best built spider romance and it it's actually literally about teenagers like they're yeah drawn and voiced to be 14 15 years old <laughs> but there's so much like oh my god like that so every superman movie every spider-man movie every batman movie has tried to do what they do with gwen and miles uh upside down in, uh, <laughs> that scene man it's so fucking good it's it's disorienting in a way that like it needs to be but not yes. in a like i feel like i'm gonna throw up way but just in a like so out of place but like also hits you like right in the heart and you're it like gets you like right in the right frame of disoriented um, yeah, like what, like for what's like, coming. <laughs> it, no, absolutely, and it also like gives you that added layer of like, like you feel like the visuals of it 
with the unsureness and the unsteadiness and like the kind of like weird discombobulation is exactly the way that these two characters feel, but in a different way about each other, like the unsureness of it, which adds additional layers when you realize that Gwen is ultimately, she's so drawn to Miles. She's so kind of connected with Miles because they both had they're like it's weird because it's like both shared trauma but it's also shared experiences rather than trauma and they both understand what loss is in a way that they can't share with others right and the whole thing is is that she's so drawn to him that she she forsakes everything it's almost like they're playing parallel storylines with miles and her because miles forsakes everything for his father right like he's like no this is not the way that it's going to go. Uncle Ben was Uncle Ben for you. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm I'm the owner of my own story, right? And then, but then Gwen is the same way in a weird way when she's told she can't go see Miles under any circumstances. And she knows why, but she still goes and sees him. Like, that's the thing that I'm like, at the end of the day, when I started replaying the movie in my head, the reveal is both betrayal and heartbreaking when you realize that she was a part of the thing, but also at the same time, you also realize how drawn and maybe in love. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I have a very weird thing about like saying people are in love in movies because it's just, uh. but anyways, yeah. like, but like, let's just say movie love, right? Because she couldn't help herself, but go to check up on miles. That tells you how strong, like it's a thing where it's like, there's these added layers to it and I hope like I can't wait to rewatch it with that knowledge like in the whole entire thing because it's weird because I heard something about like they're making a Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman movie right like they're like they're and it's supposedly I feel like we're gonna get a lot of announcements about spider projects in the next few months um and I, I think it's gonna be really easy to get excited by it but I think you know, for the four people listening to this, but yeah. like I'll tell anybody I see that gets excited about it. It's important to remember what studio that we're dealing yes. with <laughs> and how much <laughs> shit has been announced in the last 10 years and how much of it we've actually gotten. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we got two Venom movies. Supposedly there's a Craven movie. Um, you know, well, yeah, it, we know people filmed it. <laughs> we might see if it exists one day. Um, and maybe there's a Madam Web movie that's possibly being filmed right now because, like, but, like, there's so, like, if you look at all the shit that Sony has announced in the last six. 15 years, it's like, yeah. what the fuck, man? Like, they're just throwing stuff out there, just hoping it's... I mean, Spike Lee was going to direct a Spider-Man spinoff movie. And yeah. that that's not happening. <laughs> so. Nope. Um, but, like, I feel like this is just as much as Gwen's movie as it is Miles' movie. Oh, yeah. Because 100%, they, man. And they give, like, and the most, like, the best part is, is that they give her her own, her own agency in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, rather than give it to Miles, like, rather than give, like, things to Miles. And, like, the whole thing is, like, the last, like, you know, since, like, you know, in the year, like, Miles has not really had much going on, like, other than growth spurts, right? Which I love. 
Um, but they allow Gwen to have all of this stuff like that happened to her. And we get all of this context for her life. And it's, I mean, it's both heartbreaking, but it's also like, like it, it's, it's the stuff that you go, this is the Lord and Miller touch. This is the stuff that they go, you know what, you know what we haven't had? Like, yeah, we had a miles movie already. But you know what we haven't had? We haven't had a Gwen movie or we haven't had a Spider-Woman movie. Let's kind of do that. Let's go ahead and tell her story and let's be the first people to do it. But let's do it in in a visual manner that's completely different than than Miles's movie. Like and give it to like this is like Gwen through Gwen's eyes. Right. Like like that's the kind of like way that I feel like that they approach all of these things is that it's like. Miles's Brooklyn and New York is Miles's Brooklyn and New York through his eyes, like as an artist. Same thing with Gwen is that, like her New York in her timeline, it's a watercolor it, painting. Exactly, you know? it's a it's beautiful. It, it's Miles's nice. world looks like it, it's uh, street art, graffiti like, art. Yeah, street graffiti. Art. Yeah, graffiti. Mm-hmm. and Absolutely. Gwen Gwen's looks like it's it's a watercolor world um and yeah. and yeah i mean that that's kind of uh with most of the spider folk i mean you see bits yeah. and pieces of it the the lego thing was a lot of fun oh god yes <laughs> <laughs> um uh, spot popping in to meet the uh the lady that runs the the shop in venom was venom, a, yes. so much fun just so much fun like little things like that and this the studio really giving them a lot of rope to hang themselves with um and trusting that they're not going to do that you know like yeah i it it's really really easy for donald glover to just be like i don't want to come in and do this man but it's also really easy to look at it and go this is fucking fun People will lose their shit when they see me sitting in that prowler. Uh, like it's it's just yeah. it's so fucking good, you know. And it pays off something from a Tom Holland movie that yes. we never got to see. <laughs> no, that we, we probably never will see um, because he's Donald fucking Glover. I mean, I don't even know if we're gonna see his Lando show. Or his Lando movie. Like, he's so mercurial, but I love the fact that he's literally in the Prowler outfit. Like, uh, like or, or showing, like, I, I love when we see the video game Spider-Man. Like, yeah. literally see the, like, multiple video game Spider-Mans, but the one, like, like so when they, when he showed up, literally, you could tell the video game bros were there. They were screaming and howling when they saw him because like, yeah. they make it a point of saying like, you know, video game Spider-Man, like uh, from the video game universe. Um, and I love that they gave everybody a world designate. Like every single one of these Spider-Mans had a, like that we meet, get a little sidebar thing that says what world they're from. Um, I just like, there's just so much. I mean, it's, Andy Samberg showing up as I mean, uh, Spider Scarlet. Scarlet Spider is one of my or favorite Spider. fucking... Like, I love the Scarlet Spider. I love that outfit. It's stupid and goofy as it is. Yeah. I just fucking love it. So, Andy Samberg as the Scarlet Spider 
with that overdramatic 90s shit. It, fuck, I've, uh, it, every second of it. I thought we were only going to get it for, like, that one little first scene. And I was like, yeah. if that's all we get, that's fine. But then he, like, comes back later when, when they're chasing Miles. And, yes. uh, and, uh. Uh, Miguel's like everybody got their watches synced or whatever. He's like, "Yes, Dad." <laughs> that yes, shit Dad. It's so fucking funny, man. <laughs> uh, no, it, it it just it's so it's so clever because it it takes like if you don't know Spider Man lore, it, it's just it is what it is, right? Like you know, like it's funny. It's it, it's but when you add in that if you know Spider Man lore, it's like having Jessica Drew Spider-Woman show up and have it be Issa Rae is kind of like this layer of awesomeness. Like having Daniel Kaluuya play Hobie Brown as Spider-Punk and literally live up to, like, I didn't think that I would ever see a Spider-Punk, but I also didn't think that I would see it in the manner in which it was told. Like, because, like, you know, it's like, it's so weird, like, it's so weirdly authoritarian, like, like, he, he exists in a, in a, like, a clamped down version of Britain that's, like, that's, like, fascist and, like, scary, and, and it's that I, I love, the, I love the character, man, it, it's yeah. so spot on, and just, when, so, like I said, I like seventy percent of his dialogue I couldn't really understand. Yeah, I caught bits and pieces and enough to, but like, just him being the the in the the, the words of John McClane, the fly in the ointment. Ointment, um, yes. Just fucking things up because, like, that's what he does. But also, like. You brought an anarchist into your fucking group. And what did you did expect? It, what like what did you think was gonna happen, man? <laughs> yes. Like yes. when when they go to meet Miguel and, and uh Miguel looks at him and he's just like and and you like I don't I don't even like I'm not even talking to you. I don't know why and he's like, Yeah, I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. Um but and I look. I think that a lot of people. Uh, so I, I'm all over the place. But I went and saw uh, my first screening with a friend of mine, and she, uh, she was sitting there watching. It. She loved the first movie, and mm-hmm. and she was just like on the edge of her seat for this whole movie. Um, and at one point, she leaned over to me and she said. And we're like into the movie, a good hour into the movie. She said, "Who is the bad guy in this movie?" And I was like, <laughs> "That's the point, right?" And yep. like, and that's what they get to, right? That is, uh, yeah. Gwen says, you know, uh, is it Gwen or Miles? Uh, multiple people probably say it. We're supposed to be the good guys. Good guys, yeah. And no, absolutely. You know, Miguel is. Uh, Miguel is such the opposite of Miles that really it's is. it's easy to like watch the movie and just be like, oh man, fuck that guy. But like, it's also like you only get his story, like his truncated version of that story, which I will say this Miguel is not indicative of like the actual Spider-Man 2099. 
No. It is a version of that character. But, you know, liberties get taken and it. it's fine. And he does a fantastic fucking. But, dude, uh, Miguel, uh, like, yeah, Oscar Isaac is Miguel O'Hara. Like, yeah. it's weird because it's like he play, like he's not a bad guy. He's just a stick in the mud. Like, that's yeah. literally what he is. He's the rules <laughs> Peter guy. Peter B is like, we're supposed to be funny, man. You're the yeah. only Spider-Man that isn't funny. And and he isn't. Like, he has no no sense of... But, like, it, he literally had to watch... Well, he lived in a world where he didn't have a, a wife or kids. or It was just him. And then yeah. he found a world where he did have all of that. And that person died and he thought he could just step in and take that life and he couldn't. And, and by trying to do so, he unraveled that whole reality and, you know, had to watch a, a daughter that wasn't really his, like die, not even die, die come undone in front yes, of him. Like, like a blip. Like it literally yeah. felt like, because, it, because of what they were dealing with, because of the fact that, like I love that they call them canon events. Yeah. Like because it is, it's a part of the canon, right? Like Ben, like Uncle Ben, and stuff. Like there were certain canon events that like alter history. And, yeah. Your, your uncle always dies. Uh, your love always dies. The love, whoever it is, whoever yeah. it is, be it be it Peter or like you know, like in the space, uh, in the place of Gwen, um, like whoever it is, the guy. Um, like, you know, cause it resolves you and steals you up to be like, this is the, this is the responsibility of being a, the Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because he's not like even, even spot, um, played by Jason Schwartzman. Like, I mean, come on, dude. Like that's, gr that's great casting. It it's really so is. It's so good. It's, and he starts off so innocuous. He's just so like, yes, hey, I don't want to do this, but like. I can't do anything else, which is such a Spider-Man villain thing, right? Like, yes. It, they're all, uh, you know, everybody likes to talk, like, Batman's villains are all, like, mentally unstable, like, they belong in an asylum. And that's why, you know, it is the way it is. But Spider-Man's villains, much like him, they're all these, like, accidents of science. And... But they also do this, like, Joker thing where he's like, I made you, you made me. Like, you know, it, it's kind of, like, harmonious and it's meant to be. And I, I'm your villain because, you know, I was there to make you. And then and you, in turn, made me. And um, But then, like, I, I will say, I, I'll say this. They, we've seen multiple Spider-Man movies. Uh, specifically the amazing Spider-Man movies where they wanted to do these like hapless like villains where it's like you kind of feel sorry for them but it like mm -hmm. never worked right like the Jamie Foxx thing didn't work the uh, the thing with uh, in the amazing movies uh, the goblin stuff didn't work like so much of that shit didn't work um it really no, yeah, doesn't right. work in Spider-Man 3, you know? You don't no. really feel for any of those villains. Um, you feel more for uh, Sandman in the the um, 
uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the No Way Home than you do in yeah. Spider-Man Three. Um, yeah. They just they never ever did a really good job of that in in those original those first two Sony franchises. Um, Doc Ock's the only one that they kind of get right. And or not kind of, they nail it. They fucking nail yeah, they it. Spider Man yeah. Two is a masterpiece. Um, this movie does that. Like it gives you that villain that it's like, oh, like I kind of feel bad for this guy, and like Spider Man's mocking him, and like maybe you shouldn't mock him, you know, like you know, and be dismissive of him. And he's calling Spider Man out on that shit. He's like, yeah, you know, you kind of just dismiss me, so fuck you. I'll show you. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's so good, and it's weird because, like, if you add up spots screen time in this movie, I don't think it's 15 minutes, <laughs> it's really not. But what they do, like, with the so, this is the, like, like, so guys, like, if you guys ever want to know why, like. Like there are certain things that can never be like this is why animation is is so beautiful, is it? Because there are certain things that will never that that would cost a, a half a billion dollars if you tried to make it um in live action. And across the Spider-Verse is one of those movies because it takes the time to do things that would like so like jump cutting to a section of like a section that's its own unique section about this particular person like you know of the spot and his story if you did you couldn't do it the way that it's done in this movie because what they show you is like in and of itself like like it would be a hundred million dollar scene because of the complexity of what you're showing so you couldn't do it like and that's the way that it's done in every single for every single character in this movie um but specifically for the spot it gives you it, it's not just like a pop of like oh that's awesome but it gives you context and it keeps on going back to it and it becomes a nightmare for for miles because it evolves into something where they're they're connected and he sees the future of the total the the total of what he did it, it it's weird because it's like in this movie words matter actions matter which i feel like they try to do in all of the other spider-man movies but don't do it as clearly and succinctly and also both with heart and humor that they do here like there's that moment where like miles and gwen are right by the super collider and they're like look dude we're sorry i'm sorry you matter I was wrong. Yep. And the thing is, what's funny is, is that it's not funny because he's trying to stop him. He's literally miles genuinely is trying to tell him, look, dude, I'm really sorry. Like, you don't need to do this. You do realize what you're fucking doing here. Please don't do it. It's like, there's this sincerity. That's hilarious because it's also miles is 15 fucking years old. Like, that's the thing that I feel like this movie actually got across to me more than anything else is that the weight of the of not just one world but multiple worlds is resting on this 15 year old kid's like shoulders and he very quickly finds out that everything that he thought was one thing is actually another and it's so heartbreaking but at the same time it's it's all a part of like a great 
story that makes sense. So like like the whole thing of having the spot as the main villain, or not even the villain, but like the main antagonist, the person that's causing problems that they're having to correct, right? Like it's beautiful because it's not just done with this, oh, here's a spot, here's a, a villain. It's doing it in the Stan Lee, Stan Lee mold, right? Like, like when him and Ditko first started making this, they wanted to make it about a superhero with problems. But not just that. They went a step further and said, we're going to make the villains relatable, going back to what you were saying. And who has never, who has had a job where some sh- some collateral fucking damage happens and you're the, and you're the, like, you're the recipient of that collateral damage for no other reason than you were at the wrong place at the wrong fucking time. Like there are literally thousands of people that used to work that work like, okay. So like you just, we just posted your, your uh, stuff on clerks and you talked about your time working um, at, you know, at, at a particular fast food restaurant. I won't let them read it so that they can figure out. But the thing is, is that how many fast food people have been a part of a robbery that have been oh, held yeah. up and I've been. Is like that, <laughs> like, and that fucking shit changes you dude like i was i like i don't even think my wife knows about this but like i was at a movie theater where i got held up at gunpoint like gunpoint like literally fucking 357 magnum in my fucking face got shoved in my face um asking for money and of course you do what you're fucking supposed to do right you give the fucking money that for the time fucking changed me like that change that changes you and i love that they do that here and yeah it's just it's like that it's that thing of like wrong place wrong time i didn't why the fuck like you know you're the fault you're the reason that this happened like it's like it's so human and so relatable like if you allow it to be it's wonderful like like i i love that when it's done right right like and it's something like you said like in all the other spider-man movies they kind of try to do but they don't really do yeah um it's the one thing that the the marvel quote spider-mans haven't really had to do because no their villains have been so uh like i don't want to not not necessarily big. I mean, the third movie, all they did was just bring in villains from all the other movies. The other ones. Uh, yep. You know? Um, it's like, hey, we want to do a Green Goblin. We'll never get better than uh, Willem Dafoe. So let's just get Willem Dafoe and make it work. Um, but, like, before that, it's Mysterio. And, like, it's great. But, like, and it, it's a somewhat sympathetic villain in the sense of like okay well you can see his motivations like you can see why yeah. he's doing what he's doing but like they don't get into that like uh accidents of science thing you know like the Which... vulture is not in the first movie he's not an accident of science it's it's more no. of a like um life is kind of shit on me and this is what i do to to like to try to even the score And, you know, in the process, I'm hurting other people, which is you can understand it and be like, yeah, I can see where, like, I would maybe do something similar if I had been pushed to those links. But, like, they haven't gotten to the, quote, accidents of science of the 
like, oh, shit, you're one bad day away, uh, like, at your job of just being turned into a fucking misfit of science and being yeah. like, well, what the fuck do I do now, man? <laughs> like, I, I, this, he's like, is that a suit? No. <laughs> Unfortunately for you and me, this is my skin now. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know how to fix this, you know? And Miles is not... Peter, like Miles is very, very intelligent, but he's not Peter level of um, inventive. Like, yes, it, it's more like I don't know enough about the science of it all, but Miles is more concerned with like they talk about it in the movie, like the dimensional stuff, not necessarily like you see it in in uh, Far From Home. Like the Peters are very much like oh it, it's the the um They're like molecular science yes you know like yeah molecular curing diseases yeah. and shit like that like that's what they're getting into um uh, on top of other things but like that's what you see them do where Miles is more of like you know building things and you know like dimensional talking about dimension hopping and shit like that it's like a macro science yeah Yeah. it's it's a quantum science like it's like where they're into chemistry he's into physics like it's just literally what like they're like everybody like anybody who's into science likes all sciences but there's one that you're drawn to more than anything else and it's like you said like my like to put a very fine point in it miles is very much so about the physics of it all Whereas a Peter is more about the chemistry of it all. And they just have different, like you said, they have different, they have different interests, but um, it makes, it makes for like the uniqueness of each of these kinds of characters, which I love. Like, I love the fact that there's different sciences going on in this. And I mean, that goes for miles in multiple iterations. It's not just like this, this iteration of miles is, is, is into just the the physics like the like comic book spy uh comic book version of miles is also is also very much like this the video game uh version of him is very much so the like other, this. the other version of miles that we made in this movie seems to also be very much yeah. like this yes. so, you know it, it's uh yeah it, i so i, I want to talk a little bit more about miguel because i want to know so i've seen it twice so mm-hmm. I, I may have, it's easy to forget a couple of things when you walk out of the first viewing, because I know I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time we meet Miguel, he's helping uh, capture the vulture, right? Yes. So they're up in the sky. Miguel takes his mask off and starts to do something. Yes. Um, the ninja vampire aspect of it all. Right, which is what Gwen tells Miles. He's like this ninja vampire Spider-Man. And then later, uh, when we meet Miguel proper, he he gives his little, his version of the, let's do this one more time. My name is Miguel O'Hara. I am the one and only Spider-Man of of my universe. And And he's like, and I have to do things that I don't like and that people wouldn't understand. And okay, so what do you what do you think all of that is? 
What is he um, doing? Um, I think that he's um, so. I feel like this is the start of not him being a bad guy, but him eventually turning into it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I I, I can't. I forgot my Spider-Man 2099 lore. But doesn't he eventually turn into a spider, like an actual spider? Like part of his problem is is that he can He's like kind of like Blade, where he has to constantly take a serum to ensure that he doesn't turn into a full-on arachnid version of himself. Isn't that the way that it 2099 works? Maybe. I, so I know current 2099 stuff, which is not the same as the OG 2099 stuff. They, it, yeah. they, they ventured away from like where, like it's still Miguel O'Hara, but like it's a different version of Miguel O'Hara. Um, okay. And I know like the, the early like Miguel O'Hara stuff. Like most people, I dropped off reading those titles about a year and a half in. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fairly certain that that's um, that's where th- and we do see where... him inject a serum, right? In the, yeah, in the... yeah. No, we do, and and we see him like the other th- like yeah, he turns like his fang like he turns into like this vampirish thing that like bites into. Um, that bites into the uh, the vulture. So I'm almost wondering if that's um, that is um, that's where it is uh, um, because he has like like I think that it eventually becomes that he ends up like part of the reason why he has the right. um, uh, the the suit gets- is to keep. He, he gets, gets sabotaged see, by uh, a co-worker. And yes. So, like, the, the, the claws are, like, actually... Within um, a suit. And he does have these, yeah. like, things. So, yeah. So, I feel like, like, Miguel... Like, at the end of it, like, we see where Miguel is. And we see what happened and how he... <laughs> like, I love that he gets more and more upset because he's such a he's such a rule follower and that miles just refuses to get in line and just let things happen which he doesn't like like what i love about that is that he doesn't realize that he's literally him and him and miles are literally the same fucking person like they're literally two sides of the same coin except for the only part is is that miguel has thir- like has 20 let's just say 20 years on on um him and like has 20 years of experience and heartbreak as opposed to miles is fif- like you know like you know he's only 15 years old he's a fucking teenager so of course he's going to try to do the things that that miguel it's like literally a father telling son not to do something and son yeah, doing why exactly wouldn't what- you say why wouldn't you save these people it's it's you know, it, it's kind of the uh, uh, Jonathan Kent, Clark Kent thing. Yes. Like, why no, wouldn't absolutely. you save these people? And it's like, well, don't save them, you know, because you're going to break the, the canon. And, you know, which you can you see it happening. Like, 
everybody keeps asking Miguel, like, are you sure that that's what's going to happen? But the thing about it is, is, is he sure if that's, that's what's going to happen if Miles saves his dad? No, not really. Yeah. But like, we see him save Detective Singh in uh, the Spider-Man India universe, which uh, how good is, is Spider-Man oh India, man? Oh um, my God. Um, uh, 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 what was it called? Mumbai. Mumbai. Yeah. I was like, I, I didn't catch that till the, the second time. I was like, oh, it's like Mumbai and Manhattan. All, put all, yeah. And special shout out to uh, Karan Sony, who is who is the cab driver from the Deadpool movies. Yeah. Voicing Spider-Man India. And, and like, it's not just that they give him a section. They allow him to be the Spider-Man of India in the most Spider-Man of India ways. Like, it's beautiful um, that they let him be this, like, this full-body character that is unique to himself. And I don't know, like, it's just, like, all I wanted after that was i'm like okay so we've got to get the dude we got to get the dude who directed rrr to direct a spider-man india movie oh my because God. that this is what we would fucking get except for it would be live action it would be wonderful beautiful it would have musical numbers i was like dude why isn't fucking sony going after like you know like going after some some huge director from india and going We've got Spider-Man India. We just want you to make it. Like, do whatever you want. Because I can guarantee you, people will show the fuck up. Because it's just, it's delightful. It's just delightful to watch the visual splendor of it. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I'm When I watching it the second time, I was like, this might be my, like, favorite little section of the film. Like, it's just so much fun. It's so just exciting everything works so perfectly visually it's, mm -hmm. it's stunning the music is great <clears throat> I, I i i loved it i absolutely loved yeah. it. it it's it's the show i feel like because of where it comes it's the centerpiece of the movie like if you really think about it it's like about an hour in to or like an hour 20 in to a two and a half hour movie um what happens and how they like the the buildings crashing and everything like it's like a stunner of a showpiece right like you just kind of sit there and you go holy shit this is fucking this is fucking amazing like this is beautiful it's it's drawn in a manner in which you would ex like <clears throat> the colors that they use is just it's just yeah it's beautiful it, but and we see way, it we see the cannon break Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we see when, the cannon when Detective Singh is saved, like, they have to show up. You see, like, shit start collapsing in on itself. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, maybe he's not wrong, but, like, you know, if he is, do you want to take the chance that all, all of that reality is going to unfold? Like, I don't, it, it's, it's so well written and, and like, it's like I said, it's very easy to passively watch this and be like, fuck Miguel O'Hara, like he's an asshole. Um, but it's also like, like, well, kind of has to be an asshole. Like, you have a 15 year old kid out here running around, not understanding what he's dealing with, very much like in 
for, uh, No Way Home, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, Strange is dealing with a child who does not understand both magic and the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, like, it's it's wonderful because it's like, like what both of those movies take into account is the fact that they're kids, even though the main antagonist, because like, if you think about it, like strange is sort of the antagonist there. Like he's the one that gives Peter his wish, even though he should absolutely not be giving a 17 year old, his wish. Like, like when has it ever been that you listen to a 17 year old where Cause strange is ego gets in the way. He's like, oh, exactly. yeah, I think I can do it. It's very much like what we were talking about earlier with the AI stuff. It's like, just because you might be able to do it doesn't fucking mean you should. <laughs> like, no, absolutely stop messing not. with it. You're <laughs> going to destroy us all. <laughs> and that's like <laughs> Miguel's point is like other people keep fucking with this. And like he has created a team, but like when you hear him talk, he's very much like I'm the only one trying to hold this together. Like all the other Spider-Man are, quote, helping but yeah. like they're also Spider-Man and they're like lackadaisical, like have fun, joke around about things, like not take everything super seriously. And he's the one who's just like, no, this is serious. Yeah, no, absolutely. He he is. And like it's it's fun. It's fun to see how. Um, what I love about this is that, like, it's something that I always, I always talk about, um, in my reviews is that, or, or like a big thing that I love, like that I, that I'm a big proponent of it is, is that if you build a character, make sure that that character is, cons- is consistent in their characterness through the whole entire film. Like, even if they grow, you have to make them grow in the way that the, in the manner in which that that character was first designed. Right. Like, and Miguel doubles down on things because that's what Miguel would do. Like, it doesn't feel like anything is out of the ordinary here. Like, just like, like, like Gwen making the choices that she makes feels like a very Gwen Stacy thing that she would do because of the, the position that she's in, in her world, but also because she's a 17 year old girl that is being told by all of these adults that this certain thing is going to happen. So of course she's going to go ahead and do what she was like, what these adults are telling her. But then also the other caveat about this is that she's a, she's a 17 year old girl. So of course her hormones are going, her hormones and emotions are also going to take over. So it's like, it's very interesting how this all kind of works And like, like a side note, I never realized that, you had to be a captain to die in the Spider-Man universe, but Jesus Christ, all of them, all of the police people. That, oh, yeah. like, and, <laughs> it's always and a captain. All, it's, it's always, always an uncle. Captain. It's always a captain. It's always a love interest. Like, yes. Every time. <laughs> yes. But, but your first love interest, right? Like, it's yeah. always your first love interest because yeah. Gwen was the first. Like, wasn't Gwen the first? And then, it, like, MJ evolved. That was the whole problem they, they had with uh, Spider-Man Part 2. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like, you know, uh, spoiler for a fucking 30 year old, uh, I'm sorry, a 15 year old movie. But at the end of it, Emma Stone dies, like because she's Gwen Stacy and she can't can't be saved. I mean, if you saw Spider-Man No Way Home, you understood that. But the thing was, is that 
there's a storyline in that sh- in that fucking movie, like a 20 minutes of that movie that was cut out at the last minute, um, involving MJ, uh, uh, the introduction of their version of Mary Jane, which was Shailene Woodley um, in a red. Like, okay, so why is it that they they always get redheads to play blondes in the Spider-Man? Universe? I don't the, know, the man. Blondes. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like. <laughs> Could you just cat like, I, and I, I don't really have a problem with any of the actresses, but it's like, yeah. it's so dumb. They always do that. Always fucking do that. Like you get someone who isn't redheaded and, but then when it comes time to cast the redhead, you're just like, uh, or to cast the blonde, you're like, well, we'll get somebody who's redheaded and cast her as the blonde. It's like, what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> like <laughs> you messed it up the first, literally they've done this twice (laughs) yes they have they really have and so (laughs) and so but it's like um uh, to to back to the point it's kind of it's interesting that um like miles is the is like what i love about miles is that miles is his own entity right even though he has certain things that have already happened to him right his uncle has died uh you know his uncle has died, but now he has the added fact of his dad is going to be a captain, and he loses his uh, his uncle. Like it's like this all this weird kind of stuff that you don't realize, but they spent enough time developing this story and the this type of story it was that they were able to build these layers that just kind of pay off of like you know 70 years of spider-man um like one of my favorite moments is something that they ruined in the trailer that is such a funny gag is spider-man being being therapized by spider-man therapist and talking about uncle ben dying and he's like yeah it was my uncle ben and he died right and then the entirety of the chase comes into that scene and every single person had the same trauma it's like hilarious because it's like it's the smart kind of thing that you expect from a lord and miller production right like this kind of like the the snake eating itself the layered cake but not just a layered cake a five-tiered layer cake that's also got a mirror galaxy glaze that has like perfect everything like you don't expect it like you expect it to be pretty but then when you slice into it you don't expect it to be delicious but it's fucking delicious like i like it's very rare that you get that even in like bigger movies like even in like non-comic book movies you don't get this kind of like the visuals match the story match the directing matching the acting it's all working in one like giant beautiful machine and here it does like everything is thoughtful and considered right like every character no matter if they're on the screen and they share screen time for 20 seconds or 20 minutes they're they're given that touch like i like i've talked about it before in other podcasts where it's the it's the lord and miller touch where you take a concept that's on rocky ground lego the the lego movie and you just yeah. let them run wild and you get this you get this wonderful unexpected thing like 21 jump street 22 jump street um the lego movie all of these movies take unexpected things and like eat like they 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 almost devour themselves but in their devouring 
they become a brand new thing. Um, and like, especially the Lego movie, like when you realize like, you know, a spoiler for a 10 year old movie that this entire, this entire story is being told by a child. And that's the reason why it's so like, like throw the spaghetti on the wall kind of wildness that you have the millennium Falcon show up. And it's like, you know, and the dad is, I just love the, the fact that the Will Ferrell is the dad as the, the ultimate Lego fan who, who built the city. You can't do anything. What the hell are you doing? Um, (laughs) There's a little bit of that in here when Gwen shows up and uh, miles is, and she's like, Oh, I used to have one of these. And he's like, yeah, that's, uh, collector's item in the package, and she goes and just right. rips. It. Yes, it <laughs> and opens like, it up. Oh. <laughs> um, and then shout out to them finally getting Genki in there in the way that he should be. Like he should. He's not a. He he's a Miles guy. He's not yeah. a, a. He he's not a Peter guy. And I appreciate him being like them changing it up and giving him some, like giving Peter somebody to play off of in the MCU movies, but. Genki is a Genki is a Miles Morales dude, but I love that they've their 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 friendship is not really a friendship just yet. Like he keeps it like like I love the the line and it, it, it's kind of a dig at the MCU ones. He goes, "I'm never going to be the voice." I'm not your guy. Dude. Yeah, he's like, "I'm yeah. not your guy in the chair." <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Are those my are those my Jordans?" <laughs> but did you notice that when he comes when he comes into the room the second time the video game he's playing? Uh no, I didn't. 2018 Spider-Man. Oh shit. Nice. He's playing 2018 Spider-Man because I mean, you know, and that makes it like I was like, why the fuck is he playing that? Oh, well, it makes sense because Spider-Man was such a big deal in that universe. Peter A. Parker, not Peter B. Parker, uh Peter A. Parker is such a big deal there. Right. He had that, all kinds of, you know, shit. Yeah. So. Uh, shout out to Chris Pine uh, as as the ultimate Spider. Like literally, he was the ultimate Spider Man. What everybody thinks of. Like I love that that we yeah. begin that in that Spider Man movie. Like he's like he he's like all of the Spider Mans, but none of the Spider Mans, right? Um, um, but then we like the one that we end up getting is the the worst Spider Man, um, <laughs> who we, now has a daughter. <laughs> Yes. Who he constantly um, puts in danger. Who, like, of all the kids that you ever see in movies, I mean, talk about an adorable, like, Mayday being adorable, um, with her with her knitted Spider-Man um, half-pal. Yeah. Um, oh, and then a shout-out to Spider-Cat, who makes an appearance. Yeah, Spider-Cat, the uh, Spider-Rex. Um, yeah, oh, God, Spider-Rex. Um, wh- who's the, 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 uh, the Western one? Who has the horse? The, like, what, just the web slinger. Yeah, he's like, why does yeah, the, the horse slinger. need a mask? <laughs> he just does. He just does. Um, um, that it's it's so good. Um, there's so many great little like Spider-Man, like just one-off seconds. Like I I don't know what Spider person it is that uh when when Miles uh is like trapped and he's like there's nowhere to go and he jumps out the window and just comes back and he goes my bad guys it turns out there was somewhere else to go yeah <laughs> like yes. i don't know what that is like what spider person that is but i'm just like that's it's just such a great joke it, it, the and uh miguel 
going over the horn and just being like uh like basically all hands on deck and get spider-man yeah. and, and they all just start Everybody pointing at each pointing other at each other like yes it's, it's i every time i think that that meme can't like we're just done with it like it's it's overused and stupid and uh, like it needs to die somebody does something fresh with it i'm like oh that's fucking funny <laughs> no absolutely absolutely um oh or like and then you have peter parker spider-man from the, uh, from 67 8 uh animated series making a cameo yep like, uh, along with spectacular spider-man yes that's true i forgot probably the most uh well i i want everybody loves the 90s spider-man but like it, it's spectacular is probably the most underrated well-regarded spider-man series it it's yes fucking fantastic i loved that show um but uh it's I, I, the movie is just it's an absolute fucking masterpiece i want to talk about the ending so yes. n- not not even when he revealed to his mom that he was spider-man and she was like who's spider-man not even then did I realize he was in the wrong fucking universe. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't until he was like and we cut back over to the spider and I was like, holy shit, talk about them hiding the turn in plain sight because the spider plays such an important role through like when you go back and you think about it because he talks about the spider and the like the, the credit sequences has the spider 42. Yep. I mean, the spot, spot talks about it, and never do we really think about the fact that the machine is going to send him to 42 because his DNA has been mixed, and so he is spot Miles Morales. Like, like basically, he is supposed to be in the 42 universe because it doesn't have a Spider-Man. I mean, goddamn, talk about, like, an entire theater gasping. When they realized it, and they all realized it in unison. That was what the most beautiful part was. Um, and they got me too. Like they totally got me. Um, man, that was great. That was like literally, it's like that causes you to want to watch the whole fucking thing over again. Um man, yeah. Um uh Mahershala Ali coming back as yep. uh Uncle Aaron and the, like how you know, like 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 how you know there's no like like he's fucked with a capital F, is seeing the mural and seeing the change and it was like it's so weird how they hide certain things in plain sight like like the reveal of uh, like Uncle Aaron's mural right yep and then you see it and you're like oh fuck he is fucked with a capital F it, then, it is such a Back to the Future. Oh yeah. Thing where yeah. like it gave me such chills. Like I like watch it. I was like, Ryan would have fucking flipped, man. Uh, would have been like, this is like back to the future where he's in the fucking alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> and he really it really is. It really is like it's but I, what I love, and I know that a lot, like now, like I went back and I looked, and there's a lot of people complaining about how it ends, like as a cliffhanger. And I'm like, but it's so like I saw the it with best. Tim, and he, huh? he did, 
I saw it with Tim and he did too. And he was like, because he was like, he had just seen Fast X and he was pretty pissed that Fast X basically just ends in the middle of a scene. And yeah. uh, we're sitting down to watching it. And he was complaining. He was like, I know this is, I know this is part one of, so I know there's going to be something. And I was like, well, I hate to break it to you, man. Because, I, I mean, I know we're going to be talking about this then. I said, but I literally listened to a podcast review on Fast X. And one of the reviewers said, this is one of two movies coming out this summer that literally end on a massive cliffhanger. And the other one is across the Spider-Verse. And he was like, are you shitting me? So it's not even a whole movie. I was like, that's what I heard, man. And I mean, it's true, but like, it's a good cliffhanger. <laughs> it, it's, it's as good of a cliffhanger as Empire is. Like, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like it yeah. really is like, like I look at it and I cannot see I cannot unsee the Empire references because like like the way that Miles ends and the way that Gwen ends and they're they're literally like like I feel like the ending is like or I feel like the ending is the where the title comes from across the Spider-Verse because like literally they are separated by Spider-Verses like where they like where the two end up and where like the divide and the like you know it's like Gwen is like I'm coming for you but at the same time it's like he's there and he's in an impossible situation though we see that there is some hope right there is some hope there's like a a, a twinge of hope yeah Uh, And, and, and not most importantly but also very importantly is a lot of people, us included, I think, were very, were concerned about this idea that, like, yes, you're giving us more Spider-Man, but, like, we were introduced to characters that we really, really liked in the first movie, and they didn't bring any of them back. Like, there's no Spider-Ham, there's no Spider-Noir in this movie, Penny is in it for, like, a second, like literally yeah. just to say Miles' name, um, it like you don't see any of them, and then at the end you do see them because it I, it helped me understand why that decision was made because mm-hmm. yes you do need to introduce a lot more Spider Man and you don't want to shortchange those guys but like it's also that those guys they know Miles. They know Miles. These other spider folks, they do not. Jessica Drew does not. Um, You know, Miguel does not. Peter B. does. But Peter B. is also, like, he's kind of, in in much his fashion, he's, like, of two minds about things. Like, you know, you saw it in the first movie. You really see it in this movie where... Gwen is like, back me up, Peter. And Peter goes to back her up. And Jess is like, you could stop talking. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> he's just such a, he he's such a don't rock the boat guy. <laughs> um, yes. Like, he just wants everybody to be happy. Um, but, uh, like, her being able to, like, meld this new team together of, like, those folks from the previous movie that do know 
Peter and also the new ones that either a like spider punk are just in it to cause like wreak as much havoc as possible um are uh spider-man india who is just so upbeat and positive <laughs> yeah he just like he just wants he just he loves everything like 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 it's so funny because like even like i love like like the moment where he talks about like, like, you know, when he saves, when they save, <laughs> when they save the captain, he goes, I've never seen him so happy. And he's, his voice, his yeah. face is not changed at <laughs> when, all. When the spot disappears and it just immediately goes another very easy adventure. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> and they're like, no, don't. <laughs> and everything explodes. Exactly. No, it, it's kind of great. Um, yeah. Like, I I understood like at the end of it I understood why they did that um like you know I understood why they had to leave certain people behind because to be perfectly honest like you know some of these Spider-Men like in the way that they were designed would not stand for what Miguel O'Hara um right. did especially Spider-Noir like I feel like even though Spider-Noir has shown and up Spider-Ham I feel like yeah, those two especially would not like would not be down for like just letting people die. Like, can, can we try to find another way? Yeah, even if they were explained, even if it was explained to them how it works, they would be like, they would exactly be like, um, like Miles, where it's like, no, nah, bro, I'm gonna go and do this. This is not your story. This is my story, and. I love that it's kind of a comp like so like at the end of the day, like when it ends, it's a commentary about people having their own agency and letting them not just make decisions, but here's the big part about it that I love. Make their own mistakes. Because Miles makes a mistake. I mean, that's the thing about it all, is at the end when he's faced with the new prowler. And I won't ruin, like, I mean, I mean, I guess we ruined it already. We know who, like, you see it a mile away. Like, when he gets knocked out at the end, you know exactly who the fuck the Prowler is. And it's not, it's not Aaron, right? In this universe. But that's a decision. It's not just okay to make decisions and make the right decisions. But it's okay to make the decision and be, it be a very wrong decision. Because it looks... Like, it's a terrible decision that he has made. Like, the consequences of it are, like, have totally fucked him, right? But that's okay. Like, you're allowed to make mistakes. And I love that kind of theory that's, like, I feel like is being postulated there. It's like, it's my story, and I want to fuck it up. I want to fuck it up. Um, yes. And Miguel not letting him. Like, that's that's so much that says, like, I love that it's a guy named Miguel O'Hara that's telling miles morales these things and miles is like fuck y'all i was telling my friend that a- i went to go see it with she was talking mm-hmm. about miles uh she's a teacher and uh yep. so she, you know she high school so she she sees a lot of you know people that age and you know she was talking about like what that character means as far as like being mixed race and multicultural and and we were talking about miguel and i was like here's the thing about miguel like we said i was like he's very much like miles and that he's also mixed race 
he's mm-hmm. also like multicultural and struggling with all of those things but like from this uh, from a not hopeful point of view you know it, mm-hmm. it, and it, it's just such an interesting dichotomy to have those two pitted against each other in that way i'm really excited to see what they flesh out in the next one with miguel's story and how they do hopefully resolve that and bring that character around um i i don't know i i feel like it's probably going to be a sacrificial thing i hope it isn't um but uh and and what they do about this world without a spider-man you know the idea that every world has a spider-man and while it doesn't make every world like uh paradise or you know it it does bring some light into the that at least that part of the world and Mm -hmm. now there's this universe that doesn't have a spider-man because of the collider and everything that happened in the first movie and so it's just it's the darkest timeline you know and like do you fix that do you leave it alone is there a way like what do you do you know and and the meeting of the two miles you know like i I don't know this could easily be three movies as opposed to just two like i i I cannot imagine the the next movie is going to be two and a half hours long um i hate that it's probably uh end of next year before we get it yeah they they said they said it's christmas 2024 okay um because they they were originally this was scheduled in 20 like late 2021 or late 2020 or um, early 2021 something like that it was actually like it was late 2022 and we were supposed to get like it was actually supposed to be sometime in 2022 and then we were going to get the sequel in um in this year at the end of the year but i don't know what happened they didn't they don't really say what happened but they they made it so that this one was premiering this year and then the next one is not going to be until 18 months. So it'll be it'll be a December 2024 movie, which it will be going up against Avatar, um, which is fantastic fun for it. Um, <laughs> Who's going to blink? My money's on Sony. Yeah, yeah, my money is on Sony, too. I and they'll either well, bring up the release date and it'll be like Thanksgiving or they'll push yeah. it back to like January or February. <laughs> or even even if it does like so supposedly it's doing gangbusters already. Like it already made thirty million its first uh, first day out in yeah. some Friday, um. So it's it's expected to be over delivering. They're saying anywhere between because kids movies play stronger on Saturday and Sunday than they do on Friday, like adult movies do. Um. So they're expecting it to be anywhere between uh, I think it was like eighty to one hundred million dollars. Like it's gonna make like which is. The first movie made like 180 million in its first, like in its initial release, because nobody knew that it was going to be as good as it was. And then when it, it was, like people like me and Logan were like, "Hey guys, you really need to fucking see this Spider-Man." Movie. I should. I and was like to the party. Everybody kept telling me, and I was like, eh, "I don't really care about Miles Morales." And then like <laughs> three weeks in, I went and saw it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's amazing." <laughs> 
And like, like I feel like um, this is also like, like it's weird. And I don't want to say like I want to see a live action Miles Morales, but I feel like it's kind of fitting that you gave Miles his own his own real estate that is specifically for him. Like the animated world is Miles's world, right? Like, like they made they managed to make a movie where Miles is primary and Peter is secondary, and that is like I can guarantee you that will be almost impossible in the live action version of a Miles Morales movie, which is a shitty, shitty thing to say. But there's yeah. so much, there's so much creativity and beauty and amazingness and um. I said, I, all the people calling for like, oh, can we get like this? This is proof we need a live action Miles movie. I'm not saying it isn't, but <clears throat> um, I I don't know. There's not, there's nothing like these movies. No. Nothing. And, and there would not be to see it. Like, I I I get a desire for a live action Miles. I, I'm with you. Completely understand it. Representation matters. I fucking agree. But it is going to dull so much of what they do with these two movies that it's just like it that breaks my heart, man. It's just like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't want like you can't do anything in a live action movie like and to be fair, this is um, probably one of the most expensive American made animated films of all time. If not yeah. the most expensive, I know they uh, initially uh, uh, the they told told Sony that it would be like they would just need the same budget for the sequel that they would do it with the same amount of animators and, and none of that turned out to be true. It, there was like a thousand animators. Um, it, it's I mean there's three directors on this movie, uh, yep. which. You know, in most movies, if you saw three directors, you'd be like, well, that's a problem. Animated movies, there's usually two. There's three for this movie. Um, and there's so much going on. It just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I hate to see them water any of that specialness down by just doing a Miles live action thing. I mean, yeah. If if the character gets introduced, you know, in some form or fashion, but like not, definitely not this version of Miles, you know. No, and like let's be honest, this mile, this version of Miles, like I'll be honest with you, like of all the people, like all of the Miles that I've read, all the Miles Morales stories I've read, this is the best version of Miles. Like he, like. Like, he is the best version of this character that they've taken bits and pieces from everything that everybody has ran, uh, uh, written. Uh, beginning with, I mean, we have to we have to give the shout out to Brian Michael Bendis, who created Miles, um, which that's a little bit troubling. I understand in this <laughs> which, era. It, it's, it's funny because uh, here's the, the story behind that. So when Sony was... Uh, relaunching spider-man after spider-man 3 uh donald glover 
was kind of campaigning. I'm sure most yes. of us remember this to play Peter Parker. Like he wanted to be Spider-Man. He showed up in uh, like, uh, I forget. It's like season three of community in the opening yeah. credits of the season three. He's in Spider-Man pajamas. Uh, just kind of as a, like, yeah, I was serious about that. Um, and because of like his campaign and that scene and, uh, just all of the, the, the press about it of like, oh, can we have a, a, a Spider-Man? Can we have a Peter Parker who isn't a white kid from Brooklyn? Like, can we do something else? Um, or Queen, is he Queens? Is Peter Parker Queens or Brooklyn? I know Miles Morales is Brooklyn, but I think Peter... Yeah, Miles Morales is Queens. He's Queens. Um, because it, him and Cap have that conversation. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, like, oh, can we have... Uh, basically, can we have a black Spider-Man, which is a stupid conversation to have, but a lot of internet chatter, blah, 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 blah. Bendis is uh, amused by this and goes, well, why can't we have a black Spider-Man? And, well, he won't just be black. We'll, we'll have a mixed-race Spider-Man, multicultural, blah, blah, blah. Creates the character of Miles because of all of that conversation around Donald Glover going like, hey, I'd like to play Spider-Man. And the, the kind of uh, hubbub it, it caused on the internet. So it's this, like, weird full-circle snake-eats-its-tail kind of thing um to now have miles be as popular yes. i mean you know this movie's gonna make a shit ton of money there's a lot of fucking people who are like yeah miles morales spider-man like there's you know as many people now kids will tell you that it's Miles or Peter. Like, you know, there's it's both. So it, it's crazy to think well, that all of that came from the fucking internet overreacting to <laughs> Donald Glover going, I'd like to play Spider-Man. Which is beautiful, right? Like, like, like all of this, like, tendrils of this all coming from a guy who eventually played Aaron Davis. And, but it, like, also, like, it's kind of wonderful because he's so much a, a character that kids love that Insomniac was forced to redesign their, like, I've heard that the rumor is, is that Miles Morales was not expected to be a hit game. Like, they, they made it, and the reason why it's a little bit shorter was because it was the dictum from Sony that said, look, we, we have this Into the Spider-Verse thing, we kind of want, like, We've seen that he's a popular character. We need you to make this game like about like, you know, make a Miles game. And so like, you know, 2018, they added the end and then they were like, OK, let's make this game. They made it a lot shorter than the first original Spider-Man game, but it became such a popular game that and people were so upset when they didn't get DLC content about the Miles game that they were forced to readjust and change what Spider-Man, the, the Spider-Man 2 was about, and they actually made it a co-op game where you play Spider-Man, or you play Peter, and you play Miles. And at a certain point, we already know what's going to happen in that game because he has the symbiote, 
and you know, it's going to be a Miles versus Peter kind of thing. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you want. You want them to listen. Like, like Miles is taking up all of the air in everything but the movies. Like, if that makes sense to me. Like, if that makes sense, it feels like, like, like his, like his, his game was great. It was beautiful. It was lovely. But then also, you have like these movies, and now like Miles is this thing where he's. Like, you know, he's the main character, he's the main fixture in the animated world, and he's also a big, like, almost 50% of the video game world now, because that Spider-Man 2 game is not just a Peter Parker game, it's a... Mm, he's about 30% of the comic book world, so... Oh, wow, I did not even, I did not even know that, um, but it all, it's all to I say, think, like... Yeah. Go ahead. I, okay. I, there I are mean, two or three Spider-Man titles right okay. now. So one of them is Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Morales. And uh, one of them's Peter Parker. And then I, I want to say that there's a third book that's also Peter, but I'm not 100%. Amazing might be the only Spider-Man book right now. But I think there's one that's just Spider-Man that's also Peter. So uh, in, in a world when we were growing up, there were fucking four or five Spider-Man books all just four of which starred peter parker one of which was spider-man 2099 um yeah to have three spider-man books and two of them are peter and one of them is miles i mean he's 33 percent of the comics right now and not only that but like he also shows up everywhere you know he he yeah. he is a super popular character and it's funny because you see you still see this shit of like a wokeism bullshit people oh, go woke go broke blah, blah, blah. miles was a character created out of all of that like i just like you can google it i just broke it down basically that's what it was people like losing their minds for or against a black dude playing spider-man brought us miles morales who is now just as popular as the character that inspired him and like so yeah why the fuck why not man why not create other versions because representation matters (laughs) you know why the fuck yes a female hawkeye is fun man yes let's do that (laughs) you know (laughs) miss marvel's fun man yes let's do that like, well, yeah, and I mean, like, the, like, like was the thing where, like, uh, like three women going on an adventure, a sci-fi show. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, that's beautiful, amazing, and it's like, and it, we should have that, right? We have the biggest version, like, like we should have the biggest version of those things and allow them to be whatever they are and occupy the space that they need to occupy. Like, like, like you said, like, like Mills being. I saw a lot of kids that, like, you know, when I went to see the movie, like, like the, the it was a melting pot. Like, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just, uh, you know, uh, BIPOC kids, like, that were into Miles Morales. Like, you could see the little, like, you know, you could see the white kids, like, all super excited to see this movie because, like, you know, it it's Miles. Like, it's, it's not, like, he's Spider-Man for them. They're Spider-Man. Like, and that's, like... Yeah. They don't see it as live action, animated, whatever it is. There's no onus on 
the delivery system, but I feel like for us, like I like for me at least, like if Miles was never on a live action and we got like the creative level of these kinds of films every like say three to five years. Uh, yeah. I would I would be I would be okay with that. Like like that's that's something where it's like that's riches. That's gold. Because I don't like film is film is film. I don't see it as like I'm not my dad's generation. Oh god damn man, I made it for kids. No, it's really not. It's really not, guy. Like yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I feel bad for anybody who takes any kid younger than like I don't know, probably six to see this because it's so long. I feel like they're not going to get to watch the whole movie. <laughs> I will tell you this much. Six, six fifteen showing on a Friday night, packed house, kids up the wazoo. When this movie started, I maybe saw at the end of it at a two and a half hour movie, maybe saw maybe five or six people get up to go use the bathroom. Like that's it. Like, literally, these kids were seated and with their stupid AMC Spider-Man Miles Morales head creepy-ass, like, popcorn thing, just sitting there (laughs) eating and drinking and just having a good time, (laughs) laughing at Spider-Cat. Like, my favorite part was hearing the kids and what they reacted to, like, Spider-Rex and Spider-Cat and, like, like, just the silliness of it all. Like, I forget that these are... These are just as much for kids as they are for like us. Like we're talking about like the adult stuff, but I mean, there's so much like, like crazy animated silliness in this movie yeah. that I often forget that how this is how you make a four quadrant film. This is how you make a movie where it's for everybody, but for no one. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yep. very, it's very specific in its collage, but anybody can enjoy this it's like like um i can't remember who it was that said this but um i think it might have been billy wilder he's like if you write to the smartest person in the audience everybody will follow to that smart to the smartest person in the audience um so like that's exactly what this is this is like writing to the smartest smartest spider-man fan that knows every single damn thing about spider-man over the 50 years because they're like rain man that you're writing to that person but everybody else is along for the ride because it's it's enticing it's exciting it's fun um it's that whole thing of like um i i was reading something about recently about how um how certain documentary series work um, when they're trying to in, indoctrinate you into a universe, like like uh, it was all over F one F one racing because like I've gotten into F one racing because of that F one driven to tr- driven to succeed. And the thing is, is that they never talk down to you. They explain certain things, right? But they never talk down to you, and it forces you to get to their level so that by the end of the third or fourth episode. You're like, man, those fucking lap times have really got to fucking come up, Lewis Hamilton. Come on, goddammit. Come on. We know that you can do this. Like, you're already talking like you're an armchair expert. And I feel like Spider-Man does a little bit of that. Like, it, it, it lifts you into the secret and goes, hey, I'm going to show you something. Now you can be a spider expert. Now you can kind of go along with this on the ride. And it's fun. Like, that kind of filmmaking is, like, 
my favorite kind of filmmaking where you give me a little bit of a universe, but then you also kind of teach me something, but I don't realize I'm being taught. Um, so it becomes this thing, right? Like, like Top Gun. Top Gun is the perfect example. Like, you know, you get the, you, you get the notion and then you become like, like I said, like a little bit of an armchair expert about this thing that you're, you're watching, even though it's all full of shit, right? Like at the end of the day, there's no way that you would know anything. I don't know anything about F1 racing, but in the throes of it, I do. Um, and it feels the same, like Spider-Man into the, uh, across the Spider-Verse feels like that. It feels like it's letting you in on this little secret, um, and we can all go along for the ride. And we're all kind of a little bit of a genius, like Miles is, through the whole entirety of it. Um, and that's, like, I love that. I love that kind of, like, smart filmmaking. It's, it's really tough to find things that are this smart um, and make it look like it's not that smart until you actually realize what it's doing. Because it's doing so much. So much. Like, not just telling a story, but it's, like I said, it's a layer cake. It's like, it, it's like 30 different layers. And you can cut into it if you want to, or you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to see Transformers? <laughs> um, so I like so we me and my wife saw the preview for it. And I think she turned to me and she looked at me, she goes, Beast Wars? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, and like, there's eight, this is eight, this is eight Transformers movies, I think now, this is the eighth one, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is the eighth one, but you know what, I'm like, Bumblebee was like, like, gave me a little bit of hope, so I don't know, I may end up at a Friday, a Friday matinee, or a Friday morning, uh, Friday afternoon thing without my wife, and watching this two and a half, because I already know it's gonna be like two hours and 45 minutes yeah. of monstrosity, um, just because, like, there's that glimmer of hope that maybe it might be something. Like, like I don't know. Like, what, what is it? What is your thought? What do you? What do you? So I, I don't know that I'll get to see it uh, uh, before next Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. But uh, my my, I went to see my dad the other day. And he was like, "Have you seen the trailer for that new Transformers movie?" I said, yeah. He was like, I think it looks really good. Do you want to go see it? I was like, yes. Yeah, oh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, liked I mean, he liked like the first three or four of them. I, I don't know why, but um, uh, and I I mean I saw a few of them in the theaters with him, and he really enjoyed them for some reason, and uh, so he he seems down to go see. Um, but um, we might I might be able to get to a like a friday afternoon screening next week um I, i'm gonna talk to him so <laughs> okay uh, and then I'll, I'll let you i'll let you know about it but but i'm like to be perfectly honest i'm kind of like i'm like you know what i guess i could like i could really do this like i i guess i could do this like it, it's like one of those things where you go oh maybe oh maybe not oh i don't know yeah. like it's really weird because like I keep on like looking at it. I'm like, but it's Beast Wars. I'm like, it's a giant robot gorilla that turns into a giant rope. I mean, come on, man. Um, but at the same time, it's it's fucking Transformers. You've had eight movies and you fucked you, you fucked me over on seven of those. <laughs> I including one where you have a fucking dude that literally stops the goddamn movie and talks about how he's a pederast, but 
because of uh, because of Texas state law, he's allowed to get away with it. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, when you're doing that and it's supposedly for the sake of comedy, first off, like, I don't even like, no, 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 no. But then you add in like in that whole entire thing, you add in Mark Wahlberg when Mark Wahlberg hasn't been in anything ever in the state of like Transformers because Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, add the rock. The rock makes more sense than than Mark Wahlberg. Um, so anywho, it, it's it's all to say that I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it could be it could be the start of something wonderful, or it could be just the continuation of bullshit. Um I mean the the so, voice cast is so like exciting. <laughs> yes. But, but also, yeah, it could be absolutely stupid. So I don't know. Um, yeah, that might be what we're talking about next week. Just Transformers. <laughs> uh, it could be. It could be something entirely different. Uh, uh, but Jesus. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't, like, ultimately. Uh, I mean, the guy directed uh, Creed 2. And I think Creed yes. 2 is a solid movie. So It is. Uh, for for what he was saddled with, like basically being Rocky Four Part Two, the junior years, um, it was it was it was fairly good. Um, but if you asked me if I wanted another Transformers movie or I wanted them to give GI Joe another chance because it's from Hasbro, yeah, yeah. give me GI Joe. Or you know what? Why don't we just fucking why don't we just go wild and do GI Joe versus Transformers? Like, I yeah. mean. <clears throat> Uh, I, I would I love that. Yeah. Um, I, there, there's a great. Uh, I mean, nobody would pay to see this on screen, but us. But and we can end with this. There's a great comic series, a GI Joe Transformers comic series that's set during World War II. Um, what? Yes, it's so oh. fucking good. Um, oh, I have to go find this then. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, if you Google it, it, it should. Uh, bring up the uh, the creators because there's several GI Joe Transformers comic series, um, uh-huh. but that one was specifically so fucking good that like I've got it somewhere uh, in my you know collection. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember reading that when it came out and being like, oh my god, I would love to see something like this. We'd be the only people that go see basically you know Saving Private Ryan with Transformers. <laughs> You know, but uh, it's yeah, I would love to see that movie, man. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, we'll, we'll we'll probably be talking Transformers next week. Um, uh, if not, you know, uh, you might be through with Mrs. Davis by then. Um, you know, yeah. there's, there's plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com. Um Ted Lasso, uh, Pod Lasso, sorry, our Ted Lasso podcast, going strong. Um, hopefully, things don't die down too much for too long with me having to move. Uh, that's not going to, my move isn't going to be till the 1st of July. So, for at least the next few weeks, we should be fairly regular. Uh, after that, it'll be, uh, we'll have to work <laughs> work out a schedule. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it might be uh, a couple of weeks of me trying to get stuff moved. Because um, I doubt I'll be able to get everything moved all in one fell swoop. So it might be me 
traveling on weekends to come back and get stuff and then take it back to the apartment for the first few weeks. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, we'll figure it out. So, uh, and then go check out everything that Adam's doing. Lots of, uh, I've been reading your, I mean, I always reading your reviews, but like some really good stuff posted in the last few weeks. Yes. Yes. Uh, movieowl.com Logan, like we just had Logan's, uh, clerk's piece, which I highly recommend. It's, it's a great personal piece. Um, especially if you've ever worked the, if you've ever worked the dead end job, like, like it, it really spoke to me. I was like, fuck man, I, this is, this is what I love. Um, from Logan and like, you know, even if you don't even like clerks, if you don't like Kevin Smith, like it's not about, like, I know that like Kevin is a very divisive figure in the interwebs, but this is not about that. It's like, you know, it's about more than that, but it's also about like, I think I feel like other than, other than a a couple of other things that I'm fairly certain because of how much Smith is a a part of uh, both you and Ryan's lives, that there's going to be other stuff that you guys are going to return, you're going to return to, but it's like clerks is one of the, like, it's one of the best things that he ever did because he wasn't inferred by any kind of interference. But then when he got back to that kind of thing of like, like I'm going to do my own thing in the way that I want to do it. It kind of like, like, it feels like he went back to the well in the best way and got a little bit of clarity back that I don't know if he had when he was trying to do shit like Jersey girl and stuff. And even then, like, I love the fact that he, like, he loves to talk about these things, everything, nothing is off the table. Right. Um, but like, there's a little bit, like, I feel like there's this like convex between like, like I, it finally dawned on me after reading two Kevin Smith pieces from you is that you, you have the kind of, Kevin Smithis, uh, Kevin Smithy kind of like way of like being able to talk about your like talk about yourself and your personal life, but also bring it back to the film world. And I love that. Like, and I've always loved that. I always love the personal and the artistic put together. And I feel like Kevin Smith doesn't get enough cred for that. The ability to talk about the personal and also talk about like his filmmaking skill and what he does as a filmmaker. Like you do that the same in a very similar manner that without the accompaniment of, of like disgusting NC-17 language sometimes, (laughs) but you do the same, you do the similar, this very similar thing that, that kevin smith does which is like you know give that voice um get that kind of like right conversational tone voice that's extremely personal and unique and i it, like it just had dawned on me um when i was reading the the um the piece about clerks and so i honestly hope that you return back i mean there's a couple of them that i i feel like i feel like you can't talk you can't not talk about chasing amy but also at the same time chasing amy is such a because you have to yeah. talk about relationships, and I don't yeah. know if you want to talk about relationships. Yeah, it, but... <laughs> it's it's such a personal thing for him too. Like that's a film he doesn't like. He'll talk about it in the the macro, not the micro. Like he doesn't yeah. get too. He did at the time, but like not anymore. He doesn't get too heavy in the weeds because it was so personal. Like it, it revolves so much around the relationships he had at the time, or like just previous to him writing that movie 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure there will be more Kevin Smith in the future. Um, and uh, good. yeah, <laughs> your uh, you text me. I don't think I ever responded to your text, but I did read your review of the Vampire's Kiss uh, uh, oh. recent release that <laughs> yeah. made me want to revisit that movie that I have not seen since I was a child. Like I was literally probably ten years old when I watched it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, all like the old stuff that that uh, that you post the reviews for the the releases, I'm always just like, man, I wish I had space for physical media because like there's so much stuff that I'm like, I I like I've never heard of this, and I now I desperately want to see it, and I I just I you know I don't do I. I'm going to start doing physical media again, but you know, I like everybody. I got away from it because it was just like, Oh, it's taking up a lot of space and everything's online. And now f- fuck the streaming stuff. Cause like, I mean, it's still nice to have, but like, Jesus, man, I haven't, uh, I'm not, we talked about the Netflix stuff last week. Like I'm having yeah. to deal with that and I'm so fucking frustrated by it. So, Oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> maybe I'll have to, um, I've been building a Plex server uh, with certain oh, things. Nice. I might actually. I'll send you. I'll send you an invite to my Plex server. I think that you'll be very <laughs> Ryan, happy to. See. Ryan used to have a nice one and then crashed his server. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like I will say, I will say this much. Like, what I love about the media reviews is that I'm able to like dive into classic Hollywood stuff that I never would have done before. Like, I'm a huge Bob Hope fan now. Because of all of the stuff, like I've I've reviewed at least five or seven different Bob Hope titles from before he was like Hope and Crosby, like his stuff yes. beforehand. And I will tell you, like that's why, like that stuff is like wildly entertaining, and it's like seventy minutes in and out, like an hour and ten minutes. You can't beat that, right? Um, but then there's this other stuff, like I. I, I mean, like you said, like I, I have a book, I, I have a voracious appetite for like the physical media stuff. And it like my like, you know, like the website has evolved. The movieisle.com has evolved into exactly what I wanted it to be, which is like a place for voices and allowing the uniqueness of the voice to prosper if you want it to. Um, and you've done this with like moving pictures, which is, is that like. Before, like with the film, with film dispenser, like you were, you were kind of doing it, but I feel like this, because of the added emotion to it is kind of like, it's this next level because you're tackling stuff that you want to tackle. It's not like you're reviewing the latest so-and-so. So you're just kind of take, tackling that stuff. And that's where I find the most interesting because over time, like everybody wants hits, right? The thing is, is that if, as long as you grow your audience naturally and you you lean into whatever you love, like, and I love reading your stuff. I love reading Marie's stuff. And I just, I like, you know, I, I tell, I tell Marie a little bit more than I think I tell you because you already got the, you got the notes. Like you, you understood the assignment, which is, as I'm like, lean into whatever you want to write. If you don't want to write, you don't have to write. Nobody's, I'm not telling you, you have to write because you're doing it for basically for free. I try to give you guys like as much as I can, but if you're going to write, write what you love, write what you want, write things that are complicated for you. And 
like, you know, we have an audience now that follows that. So like, regardless of whatever you post, it's gonna, it's, it grabs an audience because they know Logan is gonna, there's a new moving pictures. So let's go ahead and read that. And so like, I get a little bit more of a kick every time, but it's, uh, it never falters, right? Like you can write whatever the hell you want on your next, your next volume. And it would get just as much, if not more. And it usually ends up doing more because more people find it. Um, and I just love that. I love being able to not have to be like, if I want to write about a Bob Hope movie or I want to request a Bob Hope movie and I don't have to like, like, you know, I don't have any masters to like own to. I am the master. Like I am the creator. Right. I am George Lucas. Right. And so like the site has become this like thing of like, like, you know, movies that interest us, conversations that we need, we want to have that are personal and just, you know, whatever our tastes bring to us. And, you know, you help, you have helped me build this along with, uh, with Marie and at the beginning, Scott, before he became Forbes writer. <laughs> <laughs> before he left us for greener pastures. Exactly. Um, but, but we built this thing over the last five years and it, it's one, like, I love it. Like, I love doing it. Like, I never get, it's weird because, like, people ask me, like, even Scott asked me, he's like, do you get tired? I'm like, no, not at all. Because I'm writing what I love. Yeah, like, it, it's not like, oh, well, I have to go see this because I have to write about it. It's like, oh, no, I just, write, like, I, I mean, I, you get sent things and be like, well, I, I have yeah. to write about this because I got it for free. But, like, it's not a, it, especially me, like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to revisit uh, or I don't want to go if I don't want to go see the Flash and write about it. I don't have to fucking go see the Flash and write about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like I'm not gonna write. I'm not gonna write about the fucking Flash. I mean, I, so like like the movie Isle is truly is truly what it says it is. It's an aisle, like like it's an island. It's an aisle, like in in a store, but it's specifically curated by us and what we what our you know passions and quirks are so like you and i have very similar tastes so like like it makes me feel it lands to no end that you read my stuff and you go i need to revisit that because that's the feeling that i want to give or you know what i never heard of that shit i totally want to see that yeah um, I, I have a so. growing list of like old shit that i'm like yep didn't know that existed <laughs> <laughs> um I will definitely have to get you my plex because my <clears throat> personal plex, because a lot of like the stuff that I love ends up going on my plex so that I have easy access to it. it like, so like I have physical media and I also have like my plex server. Like if yeah. you're a Jackie Chan fan, you would love my plex server because it has a lot of Jackie Chan in it. Like stuff that I already, I have that's on Blu-ray, but I mean, sometimes, you know, in the middle of the night, I can't get to sleep. I'm like, you know what? I fucking want to watch Drunken Master or I want to watch Rumble in the Bronx like you know or whatever it is something that's not on streaming service like yeah. that's my that's that's my plex is not on streaming service so like everything like the non-popular stuff or the stuff that like you know doesn't get the hits on netflix because it's not going to show up on netflix yeah. um shit it's not even going to show up on hbo max uh <laughs> but yeah it's all to say guys that you should be you, you should be reading Logan stuff on the site. You can kind of read my stuff. Um, that yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Um, next week is Renfield's uh, streaming on Peacock. So yeah, um, um, I'm yeah. hoping I'll get a chance to watch it. But with work the way it's been, I haven't had time to to 
so uh, I used to kind of watch stuff while I work. Not so much anymore. <laughs> so yeah, but it is what it is. So um, anyway, we'll be back uh, next week. Maybe talking about Transformers, but definitely talking about something. So uh, we'll see you guys soon. We'll see you guys soon. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal Al. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. Back before they all sold out. Say hello together